This podcast is brought to you by Acme Markets. Fresh foods, local flavors. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Our uh, advanced screening of Thor Ragnarok is going to be... Thor Ragnarok. Thank you. Kathy was asking, would it be okay to take Jace to see this type of movie? Oh, Jace right. is how old? Six. Six years old. What do you think, Steve? I think absolutely. Yeah? I think there is, listen, there are some intense uh, battles, but it's all tempered. You would be okay with that. Is there any cursing? Yeah. A uh, little bit. See, I'm not into that. Very, very light. Yeah, very light cursing. Way. I, they can, you know, chop these beasts in half and blah, blah, blah. But they, if they drop an S-bomb, I'm like, Ooh. He doesn't catch up on them yet, but yeah. uh, catch on to them yet. But um, he's going to soon, so. Um, yeah. Take him. Yeah, maybe. Oh, come on. You know what you're going to... So S-bombs are... uh, Yeah, that's... uh, You can't take... Listen, I understand it. You wouldn't want to take a kid to see... A movie that's a, that's a serious movie and has bad language in it as yeah. well. But I think that right. that a that a fun movie like this it happens to drop a little adult language from time to time. Now, listen, obviously, any, everybody can parent their own way. I don't think it's that big of a deal as long as you've told your kids that look, these are words you can't say yet. These are adult words. You know, we so. we never had that. We were taken. <laughs> we talked about this the other day. <laughs> we were taken to movies. So here, what am I? Maybe nine years old. Maybe nine or ten years old. My dad took me out to some theater uh, way out on Long Island with my brother, who was younger, <laughs> um, to see the Christine Jorgensen story. I don't even about, know what that is. All right. I'll tell you <laughs> what, what it's about. <laughs> Christine Jorgensen gained notoriety, I believe it was in the 50s, for being one of the first guys to undergo sex reassignment <laughs> surgery. What? Really? What? And we're sitting there, and I'm, you know what? This popcorn's really good. <laughs> and that guy's wearing a lady's outfit now. That's all I took away from it. That's funny. He didn't make a big thing about it. We went to see, you know. Ev- Your dad just seemed like he wanted to see it, so he was like, let's go. You're, you guys are coming and, with and, me. And, our, yeah. and the neighbors were just aghast at what we were seeing. <laughs> I mean, I'm, of, course, of course, we're going to go next door, and I'm going to go, hey, you, this movie Deliverance, and uh, you know, and I never understood why the parents would be like, whoa, 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 "What did you say?" Huh? Which features? Oh, I didn't go. Hey, it's got a great gay rape in it. Right. right. N- n- um, they have a, they have kayaking uh, and yeah. both. I mean, we. It Those didn't nerves. matter what it was. <laughs> yeah. We saw it. Oh my god! Well, so I definitely, as a child, saw movies that were uh, inappropriate for me, but I never watched them with my parents. That you know, it was. Cinemax, uh, you know, you know, after school, yeah. or, or you know, and, and Cinemax always ran. St- HBO never did, but Cinemax would would run things that I shouldn't be watching. You know, like Revenge of the Nerds and things that would, you know, there would sex and nudity and yeah. you know all that sort of stuff. But I never ever watched that with, with them. My oh my parents. god! And if, and if something ever came up, my mom would change the channel like super quick. So I'm older than you, so it's more more theater stuff, you know, initially. But when we got, we went to a, a place and got the first VCR. On the, my dad was adamant about getting the first video recorder for home use. And we go and get this thing and we joined the first quote-unquote video store, which is a kiosk, basically, in a, in a department store. And I told you what we the first movies rented were. Jaws and Deep Throat. Yeah. Deep Throat is a porn. It is a porn movie. Oh, yeah. Dude, yes. It's straight up money shots. Hardcore pornography. Everything. Yes. And my mother was was livid, but the boys. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
on the other now mine wasn't quite to that level yeah. but but my mom, I told you guys my we had Barry uh, we had um uh, Adam Goldberg on the other day yeah and I told him my mom because I asked took me to see the movie Porky's uh but I, now I also think about it she took me to see the movie Stripes as well Stripes has full-on nudity. There's yeah, yeah. scene and, and uh, language left and right. <laughs> you know, I, my parents took me to you know history of the world. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. And, and I was and I was probably seventh, eighth grade. Well, did she get weird range. at those scenes where it's like, oh, this is totally not appropriate uh, for a kid? I no, no. She, what, so what turned to me and say that? Just I mean, dude, I don't know if you noticed, I didn't look noticed at her, her behavior. No, okay. I didn't pay attention. To yeah. Okay. Uh, we were we were allowed to see scary movies um, like uh, Poltergeist, Halloween, like all of all of that stuff. But um, got in trouble when I was I was like pretty old, I think, uh, because my friend brought over Basic Instinct and we watched that together. Whoa, the Michael Douglas movie. Well, the, there was a snack there's a sex there's scene. A, yeah, yeah. Sex there's a, a real yeah. aggressive sex scene. Yeah. So we were allowed to watch anything that was like terrifying. I mean, that were you stuff in high like, school. For basic instinct, I probably it was either middle school, maybe mid, the middle, end of school, middle school, and you got in trouble for it. We, yeah, like I got in a lot of trouble because we had um, a room on the side of the house that yeah. kind of could be like an apartment. It was a separate room, and my friend brought the movie over on a VHS, and we watched it. And she found out. How did she find out? I think she might have because you were in. mentioning was, plot points that she could remember yeah. from one. <laughs> oh, your, the rabbit scene, huh? Yeah. Did your mom play it off as like you would get sick or something like that if you watched it or there were no, dogs she was on just it like, it was dirty? Video cassettes have lice in them. <laughs> no, you know why I got in trouble? Because she told me specifically that I could not watch that movie. Oh, and then that makes you want to watch it. There you it. go, yeah. Yeah, yeah Kathy, we had similar upbringings because you weren't allowed sugary cer- uh, cereals no. either. Yeah, and, and I was not allowed to watch R-rated movies. Um, uh, press them, I, like, Porky's was right out. Like, that, that was like a specific example of a movie we were mm-hmm. not allowed to see. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if um, that led to later embarrassment because eventually... I went and saw um, Jerry Maguire with my yeah, mom, yeah, yeah. which is not a dirty movie, but there's a sex scene, and, and uh, Jerry's uh, having sex with uh, John Travolta's wife, um, yeah, Kelly, Kelly Preston, Preston, Kelly yeah. Preston, right? And she's saying, "Really, don't uh, ever stop effing me." me. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sitting right next to my mom watching uh, that movie, so and I'm, I was so uncomfortable and so embarrassed by it. Yeah. I, you know, it's weird. I, I, it's, I may perhaps I'm an incredibly dysfunctional person because well, I was yes. sitting next to my mother. And in the ex, she's the one who took me to see The Exorcist. We're in the balcony. I'm sitting there. We're eating the popcorn together during the the crucifix, crucifix scene. Oh my god! Oh my god! And, and we, we, everything was on the table. Yeah. And and so uh, again, when I think about things, these there are movies that adults would not go see. Right. And we, All right, we were so, sitting there, but we were so young. Yeah. In many cases, it never registered to with us what we were seeing. My son wanted to see Deadpool. I said, "Well, let me go see it." I said, "You probably can't see Deadpool until you're 16." I went and saw it, and I said, "You're not allowed to see it until you're 21." Yeah. Right. And That's then, a hard R. Yeah. That movie. Oh yeah. So Chuck D'Amico, our assistant program director, he told me we were having lunch the other day. His son is 11, right? So, and he let his son watch uh, Deadpool at around 10 years old. And I said, Chuck, you are a terrible father. <laughs> what? <laughs> Chuck, I'm what, kidding. My, I'm my, kidding. That, that's exactly, uh, we would have seen that no problem. I know, but so, but he was telling me that he. My kids loved it. That it was, it was not that big of a deal <laughs> after he let his son, and he was surprised by this. He wasn't expecting Chips to be inappropriate. He, you know, he's like, oh, Chips, like, you know, I watched that TV show when I was a kid, but. There are, like, penis scenes in Chips, and there are, uh, one of the characters is a sex addict, and he talks about specific hard 
hardcore sex acts that he has done with girls. As a kid, though, and he's watching this with his ten, you know ten year old son. You were seeing you were seeing movies that were R and yeah. and, and and R movies from the eighties. Yeah. Would probably some of them might be hard R now. Oh, man, mm-hmm. here's uh, a gal, Laura Texan. She said that uh, we used to ride bikes to the VCR store and rent Cheech and Chong movies, <laughs> which is yeah. yeah. As, as a kid, hell yeah, that's you shouldn't be watching it, but I did too. I watched all those movies. Here's uh, this one says, my dad took me to see something about Mary at ten years old. <laughs> he wanted to see it, so I tug along is what they said. And there are a ton of text messages coming up. Let me go to some calls. Uh, I have uh, Jesse on the line. Hey, Jesse, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. What's up, Jesse? Uh, well, my husband goes ahead, and uh, when I'm out of town uh, for business or if I go to bed early, he has what's called Daddy's Inappropriate Movie Night. <laughs> Daddy's Inappropriate Movie Night. Oh, God. And how yeah. old are the kids? Uh, my oldest is 12, but this started about two years ago. She was So she was probably about 10 at the time, and I have twins also. <laughs> That are uh, going to be not or ten. Okay, so uh, rattle off a few titles if you can. Uh, Slapshot was the first one. <laughs> um, uh, the Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. Oh my God. So by the way, Slapshot has like a, like there's loads of sex Dude. scenes. There's a scene where Melinda Dillon is topless oh, in her. bed, yeah. and when and when he's goading the the goaltender about yeah. his wife being a lesbian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. and and the big Lebowski, you know, when she's flying through the air, you know, when she's yeah. all naked. And, oh yeah. yeah, and there's yeah. a gazillion f bombs in that movie. <laughs> yeah, and then my recently my one my one twin um, accidentally let me know that one time when we were all asleep except for her and my husband that she got to see Fight Club, which I thought was really like, no, we're not doing this. Wow. I I don't even know, you know, hearing you guys talk, my my mother was just just a saint that she allowed to go on because there was... There was never even a question as to whether we were going to see a movie. In fact, my 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 dad was trying to help me get in to see the X-rated Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. Wow! Because it was, I think it was in 3D when it first came out. But uh, uh, yeah, there was all of that stuff was part of the deal. My my 15 year old Carter now has uh, gotten to the point where it's he's he's expanded beyond like superhero movies and things like that, and he's he's into dramas now. So I'm like, oh, I'm like. You haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. We got to watch that. So I now have a movie buddy. Yeah. And so we're going to watch Shawshank Redemption, Silence of the Lambs, American History X. And he's loving these, them, right? Oh, he's totally into it, man. So I'm, and I showed him Coming to America. Yeah. And he thought you know, it was awesome. So I'm getting to relive these awesome movies. Years ago, the Bond movies were considered incredibly salacious. Yeah. Because like, of their like, violence. Their violence and their, and their, their and the sex. sex. Yeah. So we... <laughs> I actually just watched Coming to America again. I, I recorded it. It was on like a broadcast TV station, not like a straight up yeah, cable. Yeah. But I had to rewatch it to make sure I could watch it with my children. And and because there's scenes like, you know, your royal, pe- pe- the royal penis, penis is clean. Is clean. Yeah. Um, that was cut out of this. I'm like, okay, well, we can watch this. We can totally watch this. Okay. Uh, let me go to Mike. Hey, Mike, good morning. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, but all right. So when you were a kid, what uh, movie did your dad take you to? So, yeah, my parents were divorced. So my dad takes me out to the movies one night. He takes me to go see South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. How old were you? <laughs> I was like 10 or 11. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> he had no idea what the movie was about. The theater is packed with people. We're sitting f- very front row watching this movie. And there was like a couple kids there my age. Yeah. It, 
be like 15, 20 minutes in the movie, you just see people start getting up everywhere. Oh, my God. Well, because they're thinking it's going to be a kid's a kids animated movie. And one of the first things that happens is shut your effing face, <laughs> Uncle Effer. <laughs> <laughs> You're a, a sea sucking guy. <laughs> yes, it's just yeah. it's just littered with profanity. Uh, Mike, did did you guys stay th- for the whole movie? Yeah, we stayed through the whole thing. Okay, like, of course. Like actually, a movie like that for kids. <laughs> did he speak with you afterwards? Nah, not really. Okay, like, he just kind of yeah, unspoken kind of thing. Like got it. Do that sure, it's, right. it's kind of funny because I Thanks, think Mike. in that way. It was never made as a big deal to us, so we never thought of it as a big deal. On the other hand, we have a family where they, if the TV's on and something starts to get a little, they they like die for the set. The parents and excuse me, you can almost see the kids going, what, "What's what's wrong? What's what's that?" Like, yeah. like it, it almost it almost screws it up. They, like they get afraid of what they're well, going to see. All right, so because I was brought up a certain way, and then and there is still even as a forty two year old man, right. yeah, you know, there's still like this, you know, it's embedded in you. Topic that I won't uh, broach with, you know, with my my mother. I don't want to have that same type of relationship with my children. However, yeah. I got to figure out okay, what's the appropriate age and. You know, uh, you know. The other day we were watching uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson, which is you know, it's you know, two people were cold blooded murdered yeah. by you know, the, you know, and and at the end of the movie, and this is like you know, it was on I don't know, it was A and E or whatever. Um, yeah. At the end of it, uh, they show O.J. walking into the shower. So it's Cuba Gooding Jr. and his bare bottom. And my daughter's like, <gasps> you know, she's like, oh my god, uh- she covered her <laughs> eyes, and I had to pretend like there was nothing wrong. You know? What yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. There is nothing wrong. I know. Yeah. What's the difference between wanting to protect your children and sheltering them too much? You yes. know, and, and so what's like the line. Yeah, and and you, you you're constantly asking yourself what that line is, and yeah. you don't want them to be ostracized for not knowing about pop pop culture things, or, or you know, you want them to be able to experience. Oh, Are you I was, serious? I was, you know it happened. Pop yeah. culture. No, it didn't happen. No, you almost clicked. Bit. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Oh, we had to. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Trees for the forest, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Move forward with the conversation. Yeah. Well, listen, it's our job to leave on that. I know it is. <laughs> um, no, it's t- to me. Not we're, to- we're at the point where I, we, we allow, other than our daughter, uh, the, the kids can curse now. It's fine. If, if you need to make a point. But the rules are, look, you can't say it in front of other kids. Sure. Young, young kids. Don't say it in front of other adults. But only use it when it makes sense to use it. Yeah. Go ahead. So, S. But do you think that's actually happening? Uh, yeah, for sure. When, you don't because, think they curse in front of their friends? Oh no, no, no. What I meant is younger kids. They, younger. Oh. they can go yeah. hog wild with their kids, their friends. I know I did by the time I was in like you know fourth grade, I was dropping f bombs. You know, uh, but uh, as far as uh-huh. when it's appropriate, you don't want to do it out in public in front of you know what I mean. So I've, I've explained it to them. They're cool with it. So I, I like it. It's fun. Yeah, yes, and that's really my dad was looking for. for, for Friends to go see movies with, and yeah. so we were, were the, we were those, and there was no line <laughs> at all. All right, hang on, let me go. Let me go to this call, Smitty. You're on the air. Good morning. Oh my god! I, I took my five year old nephew to the movie theater to see Home Alone. Yeah, and it was sold out. Okay, playing right next door was. Goodfellas. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're a bad uncle, Smitty. <laughs> that was so passy. Oh, so my God. he was freaking yes. out. And of course, I had to come back the next day, take him to see Home Alone, and sort of, he's still alive. It was just a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah that's do have Joe Pesci. Get your f-ing shine box. <laughs> <laughs> His yeah, they're both Joe Pesci movies. Yeah, you're right. Smitty, does he remember it to this day? 
sure does. He, I don't. I think I traumatized him pretty good. <laughs> I wonder if he blurs the two and tries to remember the scene where the wet bandits cut the guy up in yeah. the trunk. <laughs> right. I'll tell you what. My kids, it, it would it would totally be lost on them. They probably at, at a certain point, maybe even five ten minutes into the movie, would have totally checked out. You're surprised. Yeah. And that's honestly, if um, when I'm watching when this we're sitting there watching the Christine Jorgensen story, I'm like, dude, this is really bad. I had no idea yeah. what it was about. Yeah. I had no idea when sure. when I started taking my children to see all of these Marvel flicks, you know, the, this, this Avengers yeah. franchise, um, you know, they were so young that the story in between the action was like, oh, can I just see Hulk smash some things and Iron Man of blow course. some things up? Like, there, that's, you know. There are some intricacies in the storylines that I'll even have to go back and go, all right, wait a minute, who was, why is he doing that? You know, so, yeah, yeah it you gets know, lost on kids. So we were, we would go see, because we saw other movies with different tones and stuff like that, I, I started to, that's why I'm, I'm such a movie fanatic is mm-hmm. because, I got indoctrinated early and, and sort of built up my movie vocabulary yeah. quickly. With, I will go, you know, with the porn we were watching. I'll go next to <laughs> to George. Hey, George, you're on the air. Hey, guys, how you doing tonight? Great. What's up, man? I, I remember when I was a kid. I can't remember what year it was, but my mom had one days to confuse tickets off you guys. This had to be the, like the late 80s. No, early 90s. Probably what, like 92? 90, yeah, yeah. 93, 93 yeah. maybe 94? I was born in 83, you know what I mean? Yeah. So she took me and my brother to see it, and it was like, it just blew my mind when I was at that age, you know what I mean? Because it was just so... Well, there's, 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 there, it's pot, it's, it's, uh, you're trying to have sex, it's, it's, uh, it's all the things that, you know, you, uh, that actually happened in high school. Yeah, right. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, of course. All right, thanks. Here's a text that says, my brother took me to see Pulp Fiction when I was 12. <laughs> Pulp Jake. Fiction. Right, Pulp Fiction would be a movie that many adults would consider too intense. Isn't, yes. Isn't that on some levels the older brother's job, though? You know, to take yes. your younger sibling to the dirty movies that your parents won't take well, you to? Well, Nick, my, my older brother was out of the house at that point, so it was my dad that took up the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's up to me to be I, uh, the, the Somebody big has to take the uh, the kid to uh, horrible movies. Let me go to Ken next. Hi, Ken. Good morning. Good gag, Zooks. Gag, Zooks. What's up? The D. I, I, was, I was, didn't even get it out. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> you did okay, though. I, I stumbled on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah so, you did. So I'm six years old, and my dad's got the you know the VCR. I'm uh, you know I'm in the '80s. And uh, my dad decides that RoboCop is an awesome movie for young Kenny. <laughs> the original RoboCop. The original one. Incredibly. Which, by the way, yeah, was R-rated. Right, and which incredibly had toys for kids, too. <laughs> yes. Think, think about that one. Well, after Peter Weller gets blown away in, like, the most epic fashion, he still doesn't turn it off. He's like, this is cool. You know? <laughs> and so by the end of the movie, I'm completely traumatized, but... The icing on the cake. I wound up getting chicken pox that night, and and I'm I'm broken out and everything. I'm sure RoboCop didn't have it. <laughs> you think that it, it brought it sure on? It RoboCop it made you yeah. sick. There are there are <laughs> sexual you, assaults that are terminated. Yeah. He comes in, he shoots a guy's balls off in the movie. Yeah, and My, of course the guy who explodes in green mush on the car. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Press, you had uh, begged your mom to take you to see Porky's. I begged my parents to let me watch American Werewolf in London. And it was on cable, and they let me watch it, and I didn't last. 
How there's a stormtrooper scene where these people come in, they're watching the Muppet Show, yep. and they blow the family away. That's when I was like, I'm done, I'm out. I oh, left. you didn't want to watch anymore? Right? After that, I, I was done. I couldn't even watch a Muppet Show after that. I'm, I'm, I'm having psychological epiphanies about myself here. I, I was watching horror movies of the most vile nature. I remember the one time I, as a kid, crying in, in a movie was when Lassie got swept away in a river. <laughs> it, was like, it was just the craziest thing. All right, you guys remember the Hulk TV show. I loved it, but when he would turn into the Hulk, when he would like open his eyes and they'd be green, yeah. I would have to leave. I would have to leave during the transition and then come back. I don't, you know, it was just a little What's wrong with the transition? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but profane movies, how did you get in to see those? Did you sneak in or? No, no, because back or... then they didn't care. The first cigarette I ever... I don't know, man. We had a what? hard time getting did into R-rated movies. What, yeah. Yeah. So what year did Rambo First Blood Part Two come out? 70... No, 80... I think 85. 85. So I was 11 years old. It was the first cigarette I ever smoked was literally in that movie theater. I went and saw it. My friend's grandparents dropped us off to see it. Me and my friend Patrick, we smoked a cigarette in the movie theater. They started to clamp down. There were times, for example... I remember years and years ago, the movie Bonnie and Clyde, okay, came out. And Bonnie and Clyde, say, well, Bonnie and Clyde, well, was con- uh, considered incredibly violent. And for the time, it was. Lots of blood, lots of stuff. Uh, and uh, that was rated M. And then they changed the mature rating to uh, a PG. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but but they were, they always seemed to be relaxed about it. And then they had a series of movies where they decided the theater could be held liable or culpable or whatever. And then they clamped down on it. So, Preston, you're right. They, at a certain point, they really got very yeah. uh, strict. strict. Yeah. yeah, Steve, somebody texted this in, and I agree. Um, maybe we could talk to your dad about it at some point. I'd, <laughs> yeah. lo- I'd love to hear what his memories we are. We actually did, a, 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 when he was in a while ago, did about going to, going to some of the movies okay. and stuff. Yeah, he, uh, he, he, he chuckles. He laughs. Do you remember? Yeah, I'll, I'll get him on sometime. Was it um, Temple of Doom that was the first PG-13 movie ever? I think it was the first popular one. I think there was actually one that came out before that. Okay. I think it might have been the first, though. Check, Nick, because I thought Temple of Doom was the one where they created the PG-13 rating to say, okay, "Okay, it's at this level because of this. Uh, Finger blasting. (laughs) Well, essentially, yeah, they finger blasted somebody's heart right out of their chest. (laughs) All right, so here's what it is. Uh, Temple of Doom was rated PG. People uh, responded negatively to that, so then Red Dawn came out later. With PG thirteen, okay. that was it. Boom, that was it. I remember seeing being at a PG movie and seeing a boob one time, and I was pretty surprised by that. Do you remember uh, it was, what it was? Yeah, it was Clash of the Titans. Uh, there's a breastfeeding uh, segment in the beginning of the movie. Harry Hamlin. I'm like booby. <laughs> wow, this is PG now. Sweet. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Well, yeah. it's a brave new world. Yeah. Do you remember the original Charles Bronson Death Wish? Yes. Uh, so we went to see that in the theater. The Your movie. Dad took you. Yes. The movie opens up with Dude, this rape scene. <laughs> There's a, it's over and you know the, who's one of the rapists? No. Jeff Goldblum. Seriously? Yes, he's one of the guys who breaks into the apartment. Uh, and well, they, and it, it's it's brutal. It is oh, brutal. Uh, yeah. I've never seen that movie. Is it worth it? It is a great movie. I think it it's great. It, it, it's of a time. Yeah. Okay. And it's also the way it's directed. Um, it's it's pure popcorn style stuff, but yes. it's it's good. It's just flat out vigilante. That's it. Dude, That's what it is. Yeah. It anymore. And Charles Bronson. He's awesome. Third text me- or text message comes down. It says uh, the movie theater in the McDade Mall would let anyone in. That's where I saw Rambo. That's oh, yeah? exactly <laughs> where I saw it. Yes. I remember one time we went to go see the original um, Rollerball with James Caan. And uh, we're going, and I think that's when we realized they were actually going to get a little bit more strict about it. So we get dropped off at the theater, and they wouldn't let us in. So my mother, has awesome mother, 
came back to the theater and watched Rollerball with us. Wow. Had to come in with us. Do you remember it was a time, though, when no, no matter what we're showing, yeah. you'd just go see it? Yes. I, I would see as, I, everything. It's like a... It's like a I was probably in like seventh grade, and and me and some other kids my age went to see uh, a movie called Absence of Malice. Yes, it's a, it's a, like a courtroom drama. Yes, I mean it was like, <laughs> but we just went because it was a movie. No, you go for two hours and sit in the movie theater. It was it was Preston, horribly boring. Yeah, I was a kid, and I went to see a movie called The Swimmer with Burt Lancaster about a guy who's going through a midlife crisis who swims from pool to pool to pool in people's backyards. <laughs> On his journey of self-discovery. Okay, and I'm sitting there with my Twizzlers and snowcaps. <laughs> right, I know. But but you would just you would just it's go. What you did? Yeah. But sometimes it would run, you know, double, triple features, and my mom would just that was that was babysitter. Go eight for a day. I did. Yeah. I did the full the full at oh. that time Planet of the Apes yes. movies from Planet <laughs> of the Apes through to Battle for the Planet of the Apes. I did that straight through. Yep. Can you go to caller number two? Yes. Uh, I have uh, Craig on the line. Hey, Craig. Good morning. What up, white folks? Hey, oh, it's Craig Legans. What's up, dude? Hey, how are you? Um, I we had the same parents, uh, Preston and, and Steve, because I went to see everything yeah. with my mom and dad because it was out, and we went. So I was the only eight-year-old in the theater watching Jaws. Jaws. <laughs> so the reason and, why I wanted you to go to Craig was because um, Jay's came home from spending the day at my parents' house, and he was. I said, "What did you?" He said, "We watched a movie." I said, "What was it?" Jaws, and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Um, I'm not sure. Like the beginning scene, she's skinny dipping and getting mauled by a shark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a pretty brutal scene, yeah. Okey-dokey. Yeah, and I and I saw it in Atlantic City um, with uh, at my grandparents' summer home. So that was a very fun, long <laughs> oh, summer. Well, I'm sure you'll remember too. And my my wife to this day cannot watch the scene where Richard Dreyfus is looking at the hole in the boat. He's diving under the boat. <gasps> and the head. And the, the head, head comes out. Probably the scariest yeah. scene in the movie. I he, mean, the, the theater yeah. erupted. Yeah. Exactly. He, he had 20 questions about that specifically. Yeah. Right. Why was that body down there? What was that head? Was it real? I'm like, yeah. oh, thanks, Ma. You know what we always did have in Craig? I don't know if, if Craig, you had it too, but my, from the get-go, when we started watching movies, my my... My dad would always talk about the, how movies are made and how they did this stuff and special effects. So we never, we 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 got immersed when we needed to and when we needed to be def, to, to to defend ourselves from what we were seeing. We'd be like, oh, it's just a rubber mask. Just a movie, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because my my mom would take me to see everything, and my dad would take me to see the Bruce Lee movies, which <laughs> also weren't for kids. But mm-hmm. you know, we just that was our escapism. But I. My mom would, we would have like whole movie days because back then when anything came out, you had to go. So I would get to see Planet of the Apes and then I'd go to watch her movie. So I'm, I'm watching Jill Clayburg and Ellen in An Unmarried Woman. And I was like, why the hell am I here? Why is this <laughs> right. happening? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, I, the, so the, I has one of the fondest memories of my, I, my, my mother has not been on this earth for decades. And yet I remember her uh, taking me to see The Exorcist. On a, it was a summer afternoon. It was at the Larkfield Theater in East Northport, Long Island, and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Wow! Thanks, Craig. Yes. One last call. It's uh, Josh. Casey wanted me to go to this one. Hey, Josh. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. You're well. doing good. What's up? <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I I was raised. You just watch anything. It's, my parents would take me to it. So I'm the same way with my own kids. <laughs> I uh, I was seven year old and a five year old, and. Uh, I actually, I watched The Kingsman with them. You know, I was like, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I, I watched Deadpool with them. Wow. My wife, 
my wife found out we were in the other room watching Deadpool. She like came in, heard it, came in, flipped out, made me turn it off, told me, try to, you know, give me the lecture. They're too young, all that. My kids to this day still like, so are we home enough? Are we gonna finish watching Deadpool? Yeah. Are we gonna finish watching Deadpool? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta you gotta um you gotta come to an agreement with the wife on that, yes. man. You guys gotta meet some middle ground. There does have to be that, yeah. I tell you, it was uh, that was the first I guess uh, uh Kingsman, Secret Service, the first movie was, was the first movie that Rochelle and I took our son Parker to that was full on hard R rated. Yeah. And uh, and we loved it. Yeah, it was great. We and actually it was kind of a cool little bonding moment. We really dug it. So yeah, you know it can be that way. All right, we got to take a break. Be back in a second with the B file. Not only can you hear Preston and Steve, you can see them too. Check out the Weekly Rush on Xfinity On Demand. New episodes, you guessed it, weekly. It's always been Acme's goal to make sure that football fans have everything they need to cheer on the Eagles. And today, that goal is no different. No matter what game days look like this year, they'll be there to help you kick off. Cheer from your favorite seat and host like a pro with all the snacks, party trays, and game day foods you know and love. Acme, the official supermarket of the Philadelphia Eagles. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Our next guests are here to promote the fact that at the Bucks County Playhouse, you can see other desert cities. And we're going to welcome uh, to our studio, and I'll, I'll refresh your memory of who all is who and why you would know them. Uh, you may have seen her on uh, Years of Home Improvement. Jill Taylor, please welcome Patricia Richardson. Yeah! Good morning, Patricia. Good morning, and thank you. Of course, and I almost feel like having you introduce our next guest because you were just going on and on about him during the commercial break. You really set him up. Well, Alex Frazier is uh, not only the executive producer at Bucks County, but produced many, many Broadway productions. And one, one of which my hus- ex-husband was in. Crimes of the Heart. Yeah. I was not a producer on Crimes of the Heart. Right. So I you helped like break up that marriage. Yeah. I was 12 years old. Um, <laughs> well, let's welcome Alex yeah. Frazier here as well. Thank you. Producing director at the Bucks County Playhouse, by the way. So, uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. And, uh, you know, we were, we were chatting off air about uh, about the various works that you've done. And how many years have you been in, in this in this crazy business of live theater. I started in 1979 in casting when I had graduated from college. And I just want to say that the year before, and Pat and I are not so far apart in age at all, but at the time, of course, she's like five years older than I am. And so it was a big deal. She's in my favorite Broadway show I ever saw in my whole life. Everyone in the theater has one show that had the biggest impact on their lives. And for me, it was a play called Loose Ends. It was absolutely extraordinary. It was a Michael Weller play. Okay. Kevin Klein started. Brilliant. And I've I've been a fan of hers since then. I saw, like, everything she did in New York before she went to L.A. And it is such a honor for us to have her here. Oh, that's so, awesome. So, then you, so stage acting, you did well before the TV came Yeah, out? I started that. I, I have a degree in acting from SMU, and I started in Florida, actually, at the Oslo Theater, and then I moved to New York with great trepidation and was very lucky to get my first audition was for Gypsy with Angela Lansbury, and mm-hmm. I, I got from my equity card from Arthur Lawrence, uh, understudying Gypsy. That's very cool. Went on the road cool. for a year, and, and then... 
and then crashed and burned and didn't work for a year, <laughs> like most actors, and then kind of struggled. But I got loose ends. And, yeah, I worked there for 13 years. Norman Lear brought me out to L.A. to do my first series, which is, a, 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 I don't know if you remember, Double Trouble. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Every yeah, TV yeah, show yeah. ever made. So no, you know, remember? So I did that Twin first. Girls, right? Then I did two more series for Alan Burns, who created the Mary Tyler Moore show. One was uh, with Scott Bakula called uh, Eisenhower and Lutz. And then he created another one for us called uh, FM, which Scott missed because he went on to do Quantum Leap. So Robert Hayes replaced him. Well, we, FM was FM a, 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 a off of the movie FM? About no, it? it was a, it was supposed to be about that um, KCRW, the PS, the PBS uh, radio station oh, in L.A. Yes. It was supposed to be sort of about that. And we also ran 13 and then died. And so by that point, I was kind of fed up with uh, sitcoms. I thought ah, I had enough of that. Got pregnant, had twins. Three months later, along comes Home Improvement. And um, I replaced uh, Francis Fisher at the very last moment. Um, and I didn't really want to because I was nursing the twins and not <laughs> ready to work. But they kind of offered me a deal I couldn't refuse. So you've just had twins. And, yeah. you, and and you replace an actress who for some and this happens all the time they swap out people yeah and Francis and I are friends now right so and 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 then you're on a series that goes on to run eight years yeah eight, eight years. years yeah and then I took off for a couple of years to be with my kids and happenstance which yeah. is by happenstance that it works out wow and yeah. Tim was just a stand up comedian at that time yeah, I didn't, right? had no idea who he was I, I you know I was like oh, I don't want to do another you know sit <laughs> yeah, yeah, do yeah. a thankless mom partner yeah. right. But they were like, oh, we'll give you, you know, <laughs> a, 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 you can bring the babies to work. We'll oh. give you a driver. We'll, you know, whatever, whatever. They were the, anxious to get me. The reason being, I found out later, that ABC had promised them, the producers, that if they took me, they would get the slot next to Roseanne. Ah. Which I didn't know at the time. All right. So, uh, but uh, that was <laughs> how that all happened. Well, you know what? I think probably your, your, your stage... Um I, I was saying to this to Preston earlier. We were talking about this, and, and you, you and Tim, you resonated as a real sort of relationship. You know, you you guys seem to oh, have, yeah. come. And also, I think you as as a TV mom and just a wife, it just sort of rung true. And I think probably your your stage capabilities helped assist in that. It helped a lot all through the thing, actually, because yeah. the original executive producers left after the first two years, and then you know you have a bunch of writers coming in, kind of just wanting to check. And you know it's good because I developed so many new plays in New York. I had a sense, and also from our learning from our first writers about how to deal with writers who are just kind of writing jokes. So yeah. Then you know I'm in there saying, um, guys, we got five plots, we need two. Uh, how do we get it down to two plots? And uh, the Wilson scene has to be about one of those, not, you know. So Wilson, then yeah. I'm in there. So I did all the writing meetings that Tim did. Really? So Oh, yeah. So And he's really worried about tool time, and I'm worried about uh, wh what are we doing here? What's the story? Right. So, uh, yeah, so it was good for that. Yeah, but we should talk about this play. We yes. are because we really want you to come see other desert cities. Oh, we've done this before. We know how to do this. Such, yeah, yeah. Such a good, <laughs> such a good play. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is a, a described as, and I wasn't familiar with the, with the work, but it's a. Uh, it was described as a family secrets sort of scenario. And, yeah. and so there is a, a writer, a female writer who is a, writes a number of articles, returns home to a family that clearly has a troubled situation going on there was a suicide in the family correct yeah and she's about to um release uh, a, a, a tell-all or sort of a, a a book that will rip the band-aid off the family's story and this causes issues am i am i semi-correct in that uh, yes that's true okay. and and there uh, there's other issues uh, the father of the family uh was sort of a b movie actor kind of famous um and they and the couple 
which I play the, the wife of. Um, we were friends with the Reagans. Uh, we live in Palm Springs. We're very GOP. Okay. And, of course, the children are not. So there's a little bit of a political argument going on, as is, you know, want to be. And it's a holiday. And uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah. And so you know what it's like with families and drama and uh, conflict during the holidays. So mm-hmm. you have a lot of that as a kind of normal family uh, drama sort of situation. And, and your mom, right? Yes. Okay. And because the people are very witty, all of them are really smart and yeah. really witty. There's a lot of... It's very funny. Do you know what happens though, with with things, these kind of things? And it's with great, um, great family dramas like this where you have multiple characters coming in. The one thing that it reminds you of... Um, you know, you can't choose your family, you know, and, and so you, you, you've got to. How many times have I said that to my children? <laughs> and so, you know, warts and all, you're all you got. And I think that yeah. creates a, a dynamic that obviously that's unlike anything else where you just, uh, you know, you, you, you've just, you got, either you achieve forward momentum and just keep going or you, you just, you know, roll over and die. So it's, it's. You're not left with many options. Well, that's the thing that runs through the play. That's the most important thing is that these people really, really love each other. Yeah. And and they really want to have a good Christmas. So, But they really love each other. And that is the single most driving force is they're trying, trying to somehow make all this work. I have to ask also just both of you, when you're doing something that has dramatic tones and comedic tones, and is, I, I, we marvel at just anything stage- you know, it's going on for a while and you're hitting your marks and so on and so forth. As you're putting something together, even in, in the, the rehearsal stages, how do you know tonally <laughs> it's it's working? Or do you not until opening night? I'll tell you, my favorite kind of play is this kind of play. And it was also true in Steel Magnolias because that was also dramatic and funny. Right. And, and the reason is, is because if you do, if, if the audience is coming to something that they know is just strictly a comedy, there's a kind of, I, I know it seems weird, but it's kind of like going to stand up. There's a kind of resistance that goes up and goes, yeah, make me laugh. I know you're supposed to be, right. be funny. <laughs> but you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a comedy. Let's see. <laughs> and the same thing with drama. If you're going to a Eugene O'Neill, you know it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a tragedy. I'm going to. So again, there's a kind of defense. When it's something that's a tragic comedy, comedy, tragedy, you're constantly off. You, you know, you don't know what it's going to be. So your defenses are down all the time. Right. Uh, you're crying, and then somebody says something funny. It really is funny to you, and the opposite. Your defenses are down because you're laughing, and then something serious happens, and you're like. <gasps> it, so you never know what's going to happen. It's you're much more likely to be hit. Yeah, hard either way. I think there's also something about this play. We were talking about it last night. We had an audience talk back afterwards about how there are five characters in the play. And no matter who you are in the audience, you identify with every single character at different points in the play. So Mm. you you start off being very on the side of the daughter. And then suddenly she does something and the mother comes in and you think, oh, this poor mother. And then the mother does something and the son comes in. So you're constantly yourself. You're aligning with every different character at different times. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute. Five minutes ago, I was thinking this. And as information is revealed, I think one of the moving parts about the play is you realize no matter who you are, there are things that your parents never told you. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. That you will never know. Yeah. A friend of mine is just her mother died three years ago and she's reading her diary and she is heartbroken because she misjudged her mother. And uh, and this is now too late to yeah, and it's too to late that. to do anything that's, about it. That's just got to be. There's always things that you don't know, and so this play, 
um, the more you learn, the more interested you become. It's really like a game of cat and mouse, too. It's, right. There's a lot of intrigue. And, and that's what we mean about the uh, surprise ending. It was, it was like that movie. I can't remember the name of it. Where it's like, don't tell anybody the end of the movie. You'll ruin it. Psycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, you, if you went, must like come that. to the play, and yeah. if you do, don't tell whoever you tell to come to the play. Don't tell them the ending. Okay. I would love to be in a play, but there's a couple of things, three things actually standing against me. I don't have the time, I don't have the talent, and I don't have the desire to be there. <laughs> but let me tell you don't why... Don't let that stop you. I know, right? Yeah. Let me tell you why I would like to. So my son was in, he's in middle school, he's getting ready to go into high school, but he was in the, the middle school uh, musical. What and was it? Wait, it? It was it was a goofy little thing called... Uh, uh, Twelve Angry Men. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first play. But it was at a girl's school. So, oh, my God. So we, uh, what did we call it? It was like 12, 12 Angry People or something. Uh, it, it was some goofy yeah. satire about uh, Westerns. Uh, but, but anyhow... Um, what what I love about live theaters is not just going to see it, but I think you guys as actors and everyone behind the scenes as well, and that includes the crew and the sound and everybody that's involved, is you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse, you work, 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 work. And then you have a small amount of shows you're going to put on this program, and then you're done, and it's gone, and it's finished. But what you've done is you've shared this experience with a group of other people that nobody else will have that type of experience, that that connection to. And that, I think, just seems so really special because when that final curtain goes down and yeah. everybody's hugging each other, and it's got to be so satisfying. Do you feel that way about certain times when you're doing a radio show and yeah. you just have a really hot show? Absolutely. And it's in the air. It's just so yeah. transitory. It's just like, oh, it happened. Yeah. And only those people that were listening that day yeah. heard it. Or us in this room that we're putting it on can only have this type of experience. It's really special. It's true. Preston yeah. got it's caught true. having a similar experience by his Stop, Stop it. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the that. guest in studio. <laughs> yeah, tell her about it, Preston. No. No, but, but I understand... <laughs> Well, it is the difference between doing TV or film and doing theater because it is something yeah. that happens alive in the air. And the reason why mm, uh, it, it's important for an actor to actually experience, let things happen to them in a real way rather than faking their way yeah. through something is that there is something electric that happens in the theater when you are actually really hit with a real emotion. But you know, I mean, even if they don't see you crying or they don't, that they feel it. It's real. It's it's an electric thing that goes through the house, yeah. and they feel it. You can't fake it. If you fake it, they don't feel it. But if you have had this real emotion happen, the audience—I don't know what it is. It's like the audience feels it, and you can feel it in the audience. And there's a and there's a, a whole thing that happens in the room, well, and the audience goes dead silent. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's just—that's the magic of theater. Yeah. So let me ask you, because you mentioned earlier in the interview about uh, a year in your life where you crashed and burned and things weren't working for you as an actor. And, and I imagine that's just got to be devastating and really difficult. And is it is it the euphoria that you described that gets you through? Because you have to work, you have to earn a living, but there's got to be dark times as an actor that, that, that must be... How do you get past that discouragement, I guess is what I'm asking. Stubbornness. Stubbornness. Yeah, you got to be resilient. I, I was very stubborn. I, I had, yeah, I did have a whole year once, or when I was in New York in those years when I didn't work at all. I had one year, I don't know how, unemployment insurance, very yeah. important. And and my parents, sweet, they lived in New Jersey at the time. Years later, I heard from my sisters that periodically, because I was there 13 years, and I was never famous during these times, but I somehow, I never had to go back and get a straight job. Somehow I just kept making it work. And I found it years later, they would go to my sisters and say, 
When is she going to give up? (laughs) (laughs) They never said it to me. If they had, it would have been devastating. Yeah. You, know, you know what's wild, though? It, it's, did you ever see the movie, the documentary about Joan Rivers called A Piece of Work? I did. Didn't, wasn't it wonderful? It's amazing. It's and movie. even at her, you know, later on in her life, she's going through her book and her, 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 her gigs that are coming up in her calendar, and she's filling in spots. As an entertainer, I don't think you ever lose that. What do I have coming up? What am I booking? Even at her time, she was, you know, a legend, and still, uh, I, I have an open weekend, is does that I mean, is it hard to balance living your life and then your career because they intercede so much? I'll tell you, everything changed when I had children. Okay. Because they became more important. And 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 then I did give up my career for many years. A couple of years after home improvement, then I went back to work only on strong medicine really because I, I they gave me a four day week and I, I was I could manage to Deal, take care of my children, be a primary parent, make them a, most important, and also work. Then I realized after West Wing that I couldn't do both. I had okay. three teenagers and I was single parenting, and I just couldn't do it. And so I quit for about four years until my last teenagers went to college. And then by the time I went back, it was very difficult because a, a lot of the people in the business had changed, and they're like, yeah, you, who cares? So it, Yeah, it, it, you're, you're forgotten quickly. And, uh, and I'm in an age group that is extremely competitive, and a lot of those women can't get work. And the, all the movie stars that have Oscars, you know, they're going to TV now. So it's been very, it's very difficult. You know what I found out, and uh, this is this is pretty cool that uh, Patricia and and I assume maybe Alex as well is uh, their union brothers and sisters oh. of ours. Here we are, we're in SAG. Yeah, and you're running for vice president. Well, I I ran for the presidency mm-hmm. uh, against Ken, but Ken was you know had already been in there for three or four years, merger and all that. But I almost beat him, which really pissed him Ken off. Ken Howard oh, it pissed him off. It. That's right. Really pissed him off. Yeah. But and then he died. <laughs> you didn't even say I pissed that pussy he, off. He died <laughs> during those two years, and a lot of the near. members wanted me to step in, but I didn't get that choice because it's. An constitution that when a, a president dies the president is replaced by somebody that's voted in by the national board and our national board is an oligarchy okay. run by one party mm. so it was a you know a person got elected by that party so mm. that's who's running our union now and who's running for president now she was never elected by the members uh-huh. she'll probably just scoot right in there because you know that's uh, you our- know the, she uses the SAG uh, machine to to be you know to get elected and we don't have that much money. Is this Patricia Richardson announcing a military coup within SAG? <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other problem is that nobody in the union votes. We just had a contract of which I negotiate help negotiate, and um, and it was a bad contract. It's not a safe contract, and uh, only fifteen percent of our membership voted on this contract. Wow. And the union didn't really tell the membership what was in the contract. Hmm. So so that was very, very unfortunate. And I mean, now we have an unsafe contract, and we've had two stunt people killed in the last month. Yes, yeah. it's true, yes. And that's, uh, I'm afraid, going to happen more. Right. So well, anyway, okay. so that, we well, can't get off on that. I'm only running for the VP of the L.A. local. Okay. Right. Now, I'm right. already on the national board for another two years, okay. and I just had to run for the Well, local. we're media giants, as you can obviously see, so uh, <laughs> if you need our help, you, you yes, let us that know. That does take up a lot of my time. Yes. I, work, I work hard for the board. I've, I've, I've been doing that for four years. Well, let me ask you something about the, 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 real, the real art and craft of what you do, because uh, I saw this, and I have to see if it's true or not, and I assume it was a, an artistic high for you. Did you work on the movie Chud? Oh, my God! 
<laughs> you know, I, I actually, love Chud. You did, you Chud did. Is, I haven't. I just bought the Blu-ray. Nobody knows about that movie. It well, is it it was a some, cult horror movie. <laughs> some friends of mine made the movie, and so my ex-husband now and I w- did appear as advertising executives in the movie, and then it got cut. It got cut. I, I think our scene got cut, but I'm not sure if in the DVD it went back in. You know, John Goodman's in it too. I know. Yeah. John Goodman was with me in Loose Ends for a month. Yeah. He replaced my husband, uh, in, oh, and so for like a month, and he was so nervous. First jobs. He was nervous. It, like he his was first. so nervous. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he was just so. We had to just calm him down. He was sweating rivers. <laughs> and and Chud Chud, by the way, stands for cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Oh, it's really, mm-hmm. it's yeah. tremendous. Oh, I thought you said Judd. Oh, Brenda no, Kern Chud. was in Chud. Oh, you got to look it up. Brenda Kern has the first scene where she's walking down the street, and, and all her. of a sudden the ooze comes out of the no, thing, and no, she no. screams at the top no. of her. It was a her really lung. stupid little oh, scene. Chud. I don't even. Do think you know? Robin said somebody just went to her and said, "We think." it should be a musical. Oh, <laughs> we want to make musical. a musical oh, out of really Chud. Absolutely. I mean, if you Absolutely. could do Little Shop of Horrors, you could do Chud. You could do Chud. It's great. Yeah. Well, there's your next project. Yeah. Hey. Indeed. Well, I, Indeed. I consider that a, a feather in your cap because I'm a huge fan. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a cult classic. So It is. I yeah. can't believe you brought that up. That's hilarious. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you guys for stopping by this morning. Oh, Continued pleasure. success. Thank and, you so and much. And we'll see you at another time. So Patricia Richardson and Alex Frazier. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment, so stay with us. MMR and Live Nation are happy to announce the live performance drought is finally over. It's the Live In at the Drive-In Concert Series, a month of shows in the Phillies parking lot you'll experience from your car. 93.3 WMMR and Brent Smith and Zach Myers from Shinedown invite you to rock live in your ride Thursday, September 3rd. Get up, get up, get a move on. See the full schedule at WMMR.com. The Live In at the Drive-In Concert Series. A socially awesome solution to a performance-less pandemic. Featuring Shinedown's Smith & Myers and many more. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com from 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. I saw this online. Biologists have taken to Twitter to reveal the worst smells that they have ever encountered while conducting field work in the natural world. So these are basically the worst smells in the natural world. The do most they, stinky stuff. Do they state how they determine this? Is there an actual device that looks for oh, certain no. particles? Or this just, is opinion. Just opinion. This okay. is absolutely, All right. absolutely just opinion, yes. Well, that's funny. Okay, I'm going to let you go, and then I'm going to tell you uh, a story that... Just go. Okay. Think, I, all right. Fair I enough. have one. Kathy for you. has the world's most sensitive nose, so I thought of her immediately when I saw this this morning. And I'll I'll tell you what I believe is is the most um, gag inducing smell. Okay. The debate over the world's uh, worst smell started after one Twitter user asked biologist, "What's the worst thing that you smelled in your course of work?" And there are dozens of scientists that responded with gag worthy reports. Um, including, uh, well, you know what? I'll, I'll run down the list here. Hang on a second. It Don't says do here, it in order. Uh, no, I won't. Okay. Well, no, actually, I'll give you the, the top one, okay? Okay. Uh, among the scientists, there was one smell that is more potent than any other, and it is the stench of a dead turtle. <laughs> yeah? Yep. Uh, Dr. David Steen, a professor of wildlife uh, ecology at Auburn University, Alabama, said, I remember a large dead turtle someone found on the road and put in the bed of their pickup in the Georgia summer heat. I walked by and I puked. <laughs> what? What? 
Any particular reason why a decomposing <laughs> turtle would generate that powerful a smell? I don't know. Maybe it just stinks inside that shell. Uh, and David Sizedek, a wildlife biologist from Las Vegas, agreed posting dead turtles. The odor destroyed my soul. Wow. <laughs> Dr. Catherine Strobel, a conservation scientist, also waited in saying, can confirm... I did get content analysis. Sea turtle stomach contents dry, contents in a drying oven is awful. Jesus. So they have to, yeah, they have to, you know. <laughs> those are turtles, those by are the turtles way. turtles Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of, there's a fruit that they, um, that's grown in the yes. Philippines that they don't even, it, you're not allowed to bring it into the hotels there. It's so punchy. It's so bad? Yeah, it's yeah. so bad. You don't know what it is, the name? I, I don't know the name of it. Uh, it, it, it is an acquired taste. Turtleificus rotatosis. It, <laughs> it is not that. Is it the one that smells like rotting flesh? I think so. <laughs> That's it. It's like Dor- <laughs> yes. uh, is it Dorian? I don't know. I'm not sure, but I, I it, 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 what I when I've heard it described, it's that there's it's a flower that rotting flesh that only blooms once every I don't know 15 years or something like that, and when it does, it smells like mm-hmm. rotting flesh. Supposedly, case the durian uh, is described as smelling like rotting flesh. Okay, yeah. Okay, so they go. have signs on hotel, you know, before you walk into a hotel, do not if you have this fruit, do not bring this into the hotel. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says here that the uh, the stench of decaying sea turtle had stiff competition from a range of gag-inducing smells. One scientist complained of the bad odor from a long-tailed weasel's anal secretion. Oh, mm, sounds good. The animals have small anal sacs, which they use to squirt out an oily liquid in self-defense. Anal sacs. Have you... Uh, um... Uh, have you ever had a pet that, uh, as they say, expresses their anal gland? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, it'll happen sometimes. Oh, that's, that's I think, unpleasant. You yeah, love I the think, way it looks, though, Press. I think you guys told me why. It's when the dog um, drags their butt on the ground. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That cracks me up. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, a, uh, a Twitter user who is a, a Ph.D. in biology at the University of Washington said, Musk gland of a recently unfrozen long-tailed weasel on a hot day. <laughs> Is a in a small museum taxidermy room. Sounds like a Pearl Jam song. That was yeah, yeah. (laughs) old woman behind a counter in a small town with a recently unfrozen long-tailed weasel on a hot day in a small museum taxidermy room. That that was the original one. Recently decaying weasel on a hot summer's day behind the counter in a South Carolina store where they sell decomposing weasels and gas masks because they're really stinky. Weasels. <laughs> oh my god. Motion is just running there. I can smell it. Cannot find the candle. Um, so anyhow, uh, frog conservationist Jonathan Colby. Uh, I'm who- a frog conservationist, <laughs> and uh, it's actually uh, more exciting than you might think getting out there and actually interacting with the frogs in the various places in which they live. Always exciting. He works for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, his job forces him to constantly confront the appalling odor of dead amphibians. Uh, he had written, riding public transport with a bag full of these warm frog carcasses. Jesus. I was left with plenty of leg room on the crowded train. Why don't they freeze them? Now, I, hold up. I've got to believe that this would be one of the worst things that you could come across as far as smell goes. A guy named Jeff Higdon, a wildlife biologist in uh, Manitoba, said the worst smell that he had in his career 
was that of a fin whale carcass that had been left to rot for six weeks. Somebody yeah. just texted in. They saw a dead whale washed up on the beach. Yeah. Where? And that was the worst uh, in sea isle. Yeah, apparently. I, I, oh, yeah. I was there. I went. Okay. I smelled it. Uh, it was, Jace was crying to get him off of the beach. It was so <laughs> really? bad. Really? It what? was. That's what you were going to say? Mean, I wanted to go and like, check it out. I mean, it, yeah. was this, it was this giant whale that had washed up. And yeah, I, so I brought him. I thought he would think it was cool. And he was crying. Get me out of here. Wow. Wow. SNL did a great bit about people going to visit the whale. They did it as sort of like a beach blanket movie. And uh, there, he's like singing the, the song, you know, the Fra- the Frankie uh, Frank Avalon, Avalon character yeah. singing to the Annette character right by the whale. And then the whale, it, the gas explodes. That's right. It burst from the gas billow. <laughs> that was so damn funny. But that's what, the, it's, the, it's the gas and uh-huh. the methane and everything stewing inside this huge carcass. Yeah. Let me go to Nikki on the phone. Say, Nikki, good morning. Good morning. Hey, what's up, man? Good. I delivered seafood years ago down the shore. Yeah. For a popular seafood company. And, you know, uh, every time of the year you get the turtle crossing. Now, I'd be back in the uh, back where their warehouse used to be. And right now, just before the shore, millions of turtles on the road. Obviously, you know, you stop, you try to let them go through without right. hurting them. Yeah. Occasionally, you can't see all the turtles all the time. <laughs> Ram one over. This I this is uh, this is the the best call ever. Right. So you 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 run over and crush them, and then I assume after the uh, the the temperature went up a little bit, the smell had to be horrific. Let me tell you something. I'd rather sleep in the back of my fish infested bunky truck <laughs> than, to, than to sit in a cab. But I don't care how much air pine air pressure you have. <laughs> it was atrocious. It was atrocious. I had to change. I got my truck detailed twice. I had to change wow. trucks. That's how bad it was. Nikki, right. we will fund a one-man show if you just tell dead turtle stories. I know. I agree. I love and this. Then I'm driving down I'm the road. Fire. This goddamn turtle. <laughs> I listen to you guys every morning. I'm an aspiring comedian. I want to be a comedian. As a matter of fact, I just I just text Victor Benedetto the other day. I'd open for you anytime I cook. I just caught one of his Facebook things on. All I, right. I, I want to get a punchline. If you guys could set me up with a two-minute open mic spot, I would love this. I think we're going to get you the whole weekend. Helium <laughs> <laughs> has open mic every Nikki, Tuesday night. Nikki, send, send, it, send me an email, all right? I, I will. I'll tell you how inspiring of a comedian. I'll right. open the doors for the comedian. I don't even have to go on stage. That's how much I want to be there. All right. Well, send me an email. I'll give you some advice. I'll and try to help you. And they, opening that up? And they do open mic every Tuesday night at Helium? I have yep. a soft spot for Turtle Comics. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The Turtle Comics. Uh, my, my, tur- my stage name will be Turtlehead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nikki. I'm serious. I'm all right, Nikki. Email, all right? Good luck to you, man. I won't call back to my shell if I buy them. I'll tell you that. All, all right, right, man. Take care, man. I'll see you Love later. You guys. Have a great day. Right. Came along his goddamn turtle. <laughs> I love <laughs> the curtain rises. Yeah, I delivered turtles. <laughs> <laughs> like an oboe in the back. Like, right. like a Bronx tale. Right, right, right. right. It starts a one-man show. I'll never show. forget my time delivering turtles. Then I drive over. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. I look back and say, God damn turtle. Thank you. One. Thank you. Uh, an empty stage, a solitary yeah. spotlight. <laughs> Just him standing I guess there. I'm what you call the turtle man. <laughs> <laughs> Then outside the theater, thank you. Did you join that? That was very good. Yeah, it's meeting and greeting yeah. with everybody. Yeah, I love sure, take a picture. Yeah. All right, do you guys want to hear my story? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's not, um, this is more like the list that you had is, is more wildlife. This is on a human. I'm going to give you this story lightly, and I'm going to, uh, I'll do it 
as, as, as do it as the turtle man. Do you no, need no, some no. music? Do you no, need no, some, no, not you don't music. Need... I'm okay. just saying I'll be Jackie Romano. I'll be yeah. careful the way I explain it. Oh, my neighbor. No, get rid of this. Okay. You don't trust me. All you don't right. want to associate that with this. Uh, my neighbor is a gynecologist, and she was she was over this oh, weekend, no. and we were talking, and I don't even know how we got on this topic, but Preston, when you said. Uh, the worst smells in the world. I-, I couldn't believe that you said this because she go. She said, "Am I going to hear this on the radio?" Well, yes, you are. Um, <laughs> she said the worst smell in the world. Sometimes women forget that they have put a tampon in. Yes, I've heard. And it's and it will you know be in it for f- for a couple a month, two months, something. It festers. Yes, yeah. she said uh, when they walk into her office and they say or walk into the examining room and they say. I think uh-huh. I think I left a tampon in. She said she knows before she even examines them. She can tell. She can smell them. <laughs> she said when when she takes them out, it it is so bad. She immediately wraps it uh, in plastic. No! Wraps it in plastic immediately. Yeah. Uh, tosses it and has to leave the room. Like she leaves. <laughs> <laughs> she said, it, I mean, it is gag worthy, has to leave the room and they go in and have to like disinfect it. Like she she cl- she said one time she closed down the room. She said you have to close down examining room two uh, for a little while. I would have given up my practice. It is that bad. Can Steve, you they blow the, uh, the, yeah, the yeah. horn, the, uh, the, the Rofo yeah. horn. They fire it up. <laughs> so, I apologize for, for being ignorant to this. How is that something you forget? I know, and trust it, me, we had, that was part of the conversation. But sometimes it, happens, it happens, and sometimes it Steve, it can get in there. Not to get too graphic, it can get in there too far. And you well, know, she said, listen, it, it also. Did, why am I tasting uh, cotton in the back of my and, mouth? And it depends on how women. Listen, my wife had a, a, a situation a while back where she had to use ten in one day. It was that. Wow. Heavy. And so you maybe I could see you forget, you know. Well, she said people, uh, you know, women are different. And uh, sometimes you can get a a second tampon and and you don't quite know. Right. It's mm -hmm. like putting in uh, the contacts, right? You like some one on on top of the other. other. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Wow. But she said it is just ungodly, the smell. And she Mm. has to leave the room. And (laughs) I would imagine, you know, well, that's. I, do you okay? And I'm sorry again, it's not sound ignorant. I assume is it a case where you're slowly being acclimated to this pungent death smell? Well, she said that's a lot. Of, a lot of times, the reason the women come in is they say it's an odor, and I I shower and I can't get rid of it, and I don't quite know okay. what it is. Wow. Let me go to Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, how you doing? Hi. Hey, what's up, Stephanie? Um, so I work at Arcadia University as a research assistant. <laughs> Um, and every summer I get to spend my summer with flesh-eating beetles. Flesh-eating eels? Yes, flesh-eating oh. beetles. Oh, okay. beetles. Beetles. Oh, beetles, I'm sorry. I'm going to eat your body. <laughs> Brains. John's here, everyone. Brains, everyone. <laughs> so what we have to do is we have to take the meat and we have to rot it a certain, like, up to two weeks. And then we have to, like, put it in this container to give to these beetles. Yeah. And turtle's pretty bad. Turtle is one of the worst. But the worst turtle in the world is when you put it in water to rot. Oh, really? A wa- yes. Well, aren't, aren't a waterlogged dead tur- turtle. turtle? Yep. And waterlogged. Can you turtle. could you even begin to describe what what the odor is like? Is there any way to describe it? Um, if you could take all of like this can sound really gross. If you take all the vomit you could ever smell. <laughs> And throw it into an itty bitty container, and then it fills your entire lap. I used to keep all my vomit in a little okay. container, but then uh, you know. Wow! So right. get back. So there's this another fle- turtle thing. This flesh-eating beetles. Do you use them for 
Uh, to clean up? Skeletons. Yeah, so we take skeletons that we find. Um, Everybody's around. talking about maggots, maggots. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, because um, I know and sometimes they'll use insects for, um, like, to take forensic. flesh off. But yes, exa- yeah. That's, uh, that's actually the field I'm studying for. Oh, forensic. okay. All right. Wow. Interesting. Well, yeah. okay, so you concur with the uh, stinky dead turtle. Oh, 100%. Okay. I found the article and sent it to my professor and was like, I told you so. Uh, that's great. <laughs> Thanks, Stephanie. Let the Beatles know. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the stinkiest turtle I've ever smelled. Yeah. Hang on a second. Are the turtles coming to town this week? The band? Yeah. The turtles. Think, oh my god. I believe Bill Weston is going to see What the were they? Turtles. What were they named? Flo? Or what were the two guys? Flo and Eddie? Flo and Eddie? Are they the turtles? I think so. So happy together. Now is the way. I can't help but love nobody but you. Oh my life. Yeah, they're at the Keswick. Oh, and the box tops and the cow sills. The cow sills? Yeah. Do you know what the box tops did? What did they do, Preston? My baby, she wrote me a letter. Give me a ticket for an airplane. That's Ain't a great got song. time to take a fast train. Did uh, Joe Cocker Dead come turtles on the road. <laughs> I'm a coming summer. My baby, they're turning in cannibals. <laughs> All right. Wow. Uh, let me go to some more stinky calls. Stinky uh, call. I'm going to go to Andrew. Hey, Andrew, good morning. Good morning. Hey, bud. What's up, <laughs> what's up, bitch? Uh, I used to work at a fishery years ago, kinds of fish, bluefish, trout, salmon, and we would cut it to prepare. We would de-skin it for the customers. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, under the cutting board, we would have to lift the cutting board after a 12-hour day. It was absolutely the worst smell you can imagine. I don't even know what I could compare it to. Andrew, it was, was there any sort of temperature control or was it a, a, a hot room? It was a hot room, and oh. it would just stagnate under the board. Oh. It would fester and get moldy for the entire day. It oh, was god-awful. I got to tell you, I mean, I've, I've, I've smelled, you know, a, Thanks, a fair Andrew. amount of that stuff. But the thing, going back to the more human thing, really rotting old body odor makes me <laughs> gag. Oh, man. It makes me gag. There, I, there, there was, I was standing in a line over the weekend. And the body odor was so pronounced that I thought maybe it was me. I haven't had body odor in a right. long, long time. And I was like, oh, man. And so I started sniffing my armpits. Yeah. You know, I had to. Yeah, you, you can't, just, you yeah, can't yeah. just. Yeah, you have to casually do it. Like, oh, I'm going to wipe my nose with right, my yeah. bicep. And it wasn't me. And then this person got on uh, this thing and then went away. And I'm like, okay, it was that person. Dear God. Yeah. No, nah, that, does, that doesn't get me as bad as, as the rotting dead bodies because I, I remember one time particularly and it's fish that i think is the worst because i remember one time i was fishing and came across and, and and the smell hit me you know like i just walked right into a wall and i you know i knew immediately someone was dead and i saw you know on the bank a dead carp or something like that just rotting and it was i i gagged it was just i couldn't stand it it was it, just absolutely repulsive i smell my fair share it is it is bad but i'll tell you what kicked up quite a stink was the dead mouse we had in the green room. Oh, that was awful. Oh, yeah. That was awful. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. That. Yeah, I remember I've had dead mice in my garage before. Yeah. yeah. And Every... they, they do stink. Ugh. 
Every now and again, when I was a, a kid, my dog would get out and he would just go. And we didn't know where he would go, but he would come back mm-hmm. stinking <laughs> yeah. like dead fish. I, I don't know where where would they go. Like, there, there's a little crick near my house. Yes, yeah. I say crick. Yeah. Because um, that's what it was. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> You're welcome. But he just came, and it happened more than once. Happened like three or four times. Maybe like, he was where? getting it. Maybe he was getting into the crick. Were there any fish in the crick? Yeah, like minnows and stuff like yeah. that. But, you know... I, I just don't know where else he could have gone, but he, he, whatever it was he found, he, like, just rolled in, in it. it. Yeah. yeah, rolled in it. Nah, there's you know, dead squirrels. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, there. I had a uh, a dead raccoon, raccoon, in, raccoon. My, uh, in my backyard. <laughs> You're getting worse with that. Yes, we have a dead raccoon. <laughs> um, Thank you, Manthe. <laughs> I had a dead raccoon in my backyard a couple of months ago, and... It started to decompose, so I called animal control. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this thing. I'm like, put it back together. <laughs> I didn't know. They did not say that. Um, okay. Because it, was, it just died. So I was like, I just called them and said, hey, uh, I don't know if they had rabies or whatever, but it died for no reason. They're like, well, just triple bag it in a, uh, uh, in a trash bag and, and bring it over to your local vet. So... I triple bagged it. It still stunk. I rolled Good down news. my. Ca- I it's rolled, alive again. I rolled down my car window and I drove with this thing hanging out of the car. To window. be honest, why bring it to a, to a vet? To a vet? What, 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 what's to check for rabies? I, they just told me to bring it to a vet. I didn't oh, bring maybe, it to the vet. I maybe. brought it to, close to a vet and just chuck it, chucked it in a dumpster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you went close to the vet? I, I went put close it, to the vet. Put it in his mailbox. Uh-huh. <laughs> Study it here. <laughs> it's going to be rotting in this thing. Well, because also it, it was like three or four days before trash day. And I'm like, Dear vet, what you should have done is if it's decomposed, just put it in a wicker basket and put it in say, oh, Dear sir, my my raccoon is sick. Yeah. Can you help? <laughs> my raccoon is sleeping. We get the, you know, obviously dead deer on the side of the road a lot. And, and this time of year, they just, and sometimes they will sit there for weeks. Yeah. And, and you know, sanitation department doesn't move them or, and, oh. Steve, yeah. there was, a, there was a, one on the uh, inside barrier of the Schuylkill Expressway. And if you, you saw it as well. And you pointed out that this is a study in deco- decomposition. Oh, my God. Because, it, like, you see it <laughs> as a carcass and then you see it as a pelt. Yes, it was. It was like uh, it was like a time lapse. Yeah, of those, the, the footage where the like it was like the uh, Peter Gabriel video. Right. There's a there's a dead mouse outside of the window uh, that I look at where I exercise at and home. I, yeah, yeah, at home, and I've left it there. <laughs> and I, I've wa- I'm watching it decompose. Okay, this one's oh, called dead mouse outside my <laughs> window. Thank you, Panda. Slapping it down. <laughs> one mouse, two mouse, three mice. <laughs> um. No, but I'm, I'm getting on my stair climber, looking out the window. <laughs> Dead mouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Philadelphia, you have quite a lot of mice, but you know how to handle them. You let them decompose naturally as you exercise. <laughs> we are all one. We are all one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyhow, I've been, yeah, I've been watching it. <laughs> you want to do more? I don't know. You leaned in. Preston watches it every day with hope that it can serve as a beacon of truth for the other mice who come to this country hoping for better, whether they're Syrian mice or Pakistani mice. All right. One mice. Or one mouse. One, one, one mice. mice. <laughs> what you call it, singular. Pearl is mice. It's a murder of crows. 
pride of lions, and a bofa, a jellyfish. <laughs> I just made that up. What is it, a bofa? Oh, no, jellyfish has a, it's a is it like a pod? It's a no, that's killer whales. It's a, it's a squad. It's a squad of uh, jellyfish. Squad goals. That when, when jellyfish do selfies with their friends, it's yeah. always. Yeah, I just made that up. Anyway. Yeah, what, squad? I don't, know, I don't know if it's squad or. It's bofa. Is it a bofa? <laughs> yeah. A bofa no, mother effers. Because <laughs> Bono said so. Right. Uh, let me see. Uh, there was some pretty nasty stuff up oh there. Oh, my God. Hey, there's horrible stuff up here. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Justin's been on hold for a while. Hey, Justin, good morning. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, uh, yeah. Uh, about five, six years ago, uh, I live in Manion. Um, there was a rental house that was behind me. You know, the houses are so tight. The yards are back to back. Um, this is probably in, like, August really hot and i started smelling something when i was in my backyard so after a while i look over the fence i'm like would somebody's dog die down there and i didn't say anything a couple days ago i'm still smelling it anyway i ended up finding out about a week ago uh or a week later from one of the other neighbors that a guy got into the house that used to live there and apparently i don't fell on the steps died and was in there decomposing for like a week or two. In the house decomposing. I have heard that a decomposing body like mm. that is just, you just want to die yourself. The yeah. most pungent, acrid, horrific smell. Yeah, I couldn't even believe it, how bad it must have smelled inside the house. I mean, the, the windows were How did the tenants forward. put up with it? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, there's houses on either side. Hey, man, I, I get stories every yeah, now and then. Yeah. Living in a house it. with a decomposing body. Thanks, Justin. That's uh, love. This uh, going on a, a, uh, a user uh, called Nasty Biologist listed a number of foul smells that she has encountered in her career. And uh, she's a bad or- odors in order. Fresh skunk. Things dead long enough to bloat. Vulture vomit. Vulture vomit. <laughs> like, where do you even encounter that? Uh, you know what? I believe turkey vultures, part of their defense is... To is vomit? A vomit? Yes, they, yeah. that's part of their fight or flight. And they, they puke all over the place. They they puke and they crap all over the place. <laughs> and we have a wonderful yeah. member of nature. And they eat dead, you know, uh, rotting things. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, uh, and this woman also says, uh, feces from anything that's eat, that eats fish. Doo-doo feces. Oh, wow. Doo-doo feces is horrible. And Lauren Gilhuli, a third-year PhD student at Western University, claimed that the carcass of a rhesus macaque was the worst smell of all time. Um, I got a question about feces and fish. Uh, when you're eating shrimp and that, like, big, long black thing is in it. It's the mud vein. Is that poop? Yeah. 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 The Isn't mud that- isn't that why you're not supposed to eat it? It's like I got this one right after Thanksgiving feast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, definitely poop. It's just not It's not a membrane. It's called a, I think they're, you, it's a mud vein, I believe is what it's yeah. called. There's a band yeah. named Mud Vein, by yeah, the way. Yeah. But, but, I, but I th- some, some fish have a mud vein. Shrimp poop. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, okay. I think it's, I think it's their excrement. I think um, if you're ordering a uh, shrimp cocktail from a restaurant, yeah. they need to deter that for you. Well, yeah. If you're ordering a shrimp cocktail from a restaurant, ask them to take the poop out. One poop, two poops. We can all learn something from the shrimp. A big FU after it dies, its poop stays in. So when you're at the party and you're picking the shrimp, oh, I just ate a big old turd. Thank you. Um, no, the, the best, the best restaurant has got a lot more specific. He's getting a lot, he's older and he's more of a curmudgeon. The best restaurants do. Please I, a Ruffles chip and a bag of regular <laughs> chips. They can try to escape, but still got into another potato chip bag. 
How desperate. Oh, I'm free now. I'm free. The way Nelson Mandela was free. But he's not free. He's just in another bag of chips. And now he's become the most targeted of all chips because he's like a prize. Uh, here, we have uh, this information. You were probably seeing what's called the sand vein. It's not actually a vein, and they only rarely have sand in them. Sand doesn't do shrimp any good that we know of, so they don't eat it on purpose. It's actually the shrimp's digestive tract. It is not harmful to eat it, but it is often removed, just because we as humans don't want anything to do with any kind of poop. Right. What's it, is it, there's there a similar thing? The corpophiliacs. In a lobster? Um, I've never noticed. I've cooked plenty of lobsters, but you know what? Maybe they... No. They de-poop it? Well, I don't know. He's been properly depooped. Um, it's mainly shrimp that I've noticed. That. Yeah. Thank God that doesn't happen with cattle. Uh, let me see. Do we need to take a break? Uh, you got a couple more minutes. Just a couple more minutes? Oh um, it's really good calls. I know. There's just tons of them here. <laughs> I, I don't... It's Can just a go? cornucopia right, of horrible Tom, things. Tom. Let me, yeah, Mar- <laughs> Kathy wants me to go to line six. Oh, so Jesus. Let me go to Tom. Hey, Tom. Hey, hey good morning, guys. You guys rock. Thank hey. you, buddy. I, I'm going to ask you to be delicate in your description here. Oh, I promise I will be. Thank you. And Kathy, to back up your gynecologist story, 100% true. Uh, I was in the company of two ladies. Uh, We were starting to get amorous, and uh, there was a rather pungent odor coming from one of them in an area you don't want it to be. Yeah. Uh, And then when um, uh, we were trying to figure out what was going on, that's when... Uh, how do I put this delicate? Well, I'll try to be as delicate as possible. I felt something in there. Oh, oh that boy. Didn't sound natural. Didn't feel normal. Yeah. And when I brought it up to her, she had mentioned that her, that, oh, that was when my cycle hit. And I said, how long ago was that? And she said, oh, about two, three weeks ago. <gasps> oh, 1988. And, and, <laughs> end of the session, nothing could could yeah. make me bounce back. No. I would, I would, no. and I would bounce question back. that she was apparently aware of that. Well, well she probably um, forgot, and he, and he you pointed know, it out pointed to it out, and she was probably like, oh, oh, oh no. Yeah. Was she embarrassed by it, Tom, or was it kind of matter of fact? It was actually for her, it was a matter of fact, but uh, this is the part that kind of made me gag, but makes me laugh now. Oh, oh dear go. God. By the way, the thud you just heard was Bill Weston jumping into the parking lot from the roof of the building. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, um, yeah, that, uh, well, did you look on it and see if you had a prize? Oh, Dude. My God. oh my God. The prize was me getting out of there. <laughs> right. You, yes, you lived. Go to the Poconos. Tom, thank you. Mm. Oh, thanks, man. Mm, you will have a wonderful day. Oh, Fortune dear. tampons. Dear oh, my God. Fortune <laughs> tampons. Oh, my God. Let's, uh, let's move on. <laughs> a good day to start a garden. Wow. Hmm. It's like a Snapple cap. A close friend will reveal a secret. Right. Huh. Hmm. Invest. Good fortune shines upon you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to go from this. I, <laughs> yeah. I am. Uh, I'm usually pretty good at this. Well, that is about as uh, horrifying as it gets. Mm, thank you, Tom. Yeah. Thanks, Kathy Tom. started it. She's one who's going to get in yeah, trouble. Thanks, by Kathy. the way. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. Well, Have you ever been with two women, and then you smell something? The smell of freedom <laughs> festering in there in the form of a little cotton tube. 
Just as my Andrew said, I know where the cage bird sings. Rotting turtle stink. <laughs> Ruffles potato chip and a bag of regular chips. I got nothing, folks. I admit it. I've been going for three hours and I ran out of stuff to say. No more inspiration. I just hope you all get out of here quickly. Oh. I got to take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyhow, so the, the worst smells in nature, according to biologists, are uh, in order. Vulture vomit, fin whale carcass, uh, dead frogs, anal secretions of a weasel, and the number one is decaying turtle. I think I'm going to put Kathy's description at number one. By uh, many of these biologists, uh, so that's in nature. But yes, Kathy's yeah. might, might take the cake, I'm not really sure. I want that gynecologist list. Let's let's take a break. Yeah. Uh, let's cleanse the palate, if you will, let's, and uh, wipe uh, down the studio. Yeah, let's. <laughs> we'll be back in just a moment. What's new? Glad you asked. Cage the elephant. Larkin Poe. Rival sons. New music. More of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WNMR. Okay, so our next guest is in our studio. We love this guy. He's been in Philly before. Happy that he's back. Quote um, him all the time. We do quote him a lot. There's <laughs> there's some great movies that he's been in through the years. Uh, you know, Friday and, and Soul Plane and Little Man. Uh, and also uh, Little Nicky. We always... You, you want to tell him before we bring him on what we do all the time? I, I, well, I'll play the clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so this is him and, and little Nicky. Uh, and Steve and I quote this all the time. Oh, you going all crazy ad on me. I'll show you some crazy ad. Look at this. Come on, let's get it. Excuse me, sir. Does um that flask belong to this man? Now, you going to call me a thief, too? Damn. <laughs> it's John Witherspoon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> you are you are a uh, an absolute scene stealer. In, in so many movies, you are the the takeaway. And we were just talking about this. There's so many performances where you just everyone who is that guy. Uh, but uh, we were surprised, you know, doing research on you. Uh, that you start, you started basically more in music and songwriting, correct? No, that's my brother. He oh, your was, brother? Uh, he okay. worked at Motown. Okay, no, no. So, so did you yeah. have any yearning in that direction as well? No, I actually uh, was an actor before I became a comic. Okay, and then yeah. was was the comedy just to to give you more more latitude, or were people just telling you, dude, you're just naturally funny, you should try it? No, I had a coach. Uh, we, I was doing Shakespeare, really. Yeah, in huh. Detroit. And so the coach uh, said that uh, he's doing a comedy show once a year, and he want me to be on the show. So I said, well, I don't know anything about comedy. So uh, he said, well, try something. So I did it. I had a, one of the students uh, ask me questions, and I played like I was Lennon Bain Johnson. Like you're I got LBJ. a $10 hat. I got a $10 hat. And, I, <laughs> and then I did that on the show, and I also uh, did an impression of Johnny Mathis. Oh, okay. And then I won. I mean, everybody's so happy. They got a standing ovation. That's oh. really cool because I would assume because you seem to have such a natural comedic uh, ability uh, that you know people would would just eventually say you you got to do it now right. stand up after you, you were started I assume comedic acting and then went into the stand up as a progression 
I took every job they gave me. Every job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was comedic or, or serious. I, I've done it all. Yeah. Because, you know, look at my resume. I, I took Barnaby Jones and... I, I know we have to talk about that because you're in some of some of the. So I'm looking at this stuff here. What's happening? The Incredible. Hulk, oh yeah, Incredible uh, Hulk. Uh, Fresh Prince. Uh, uh, tons of TV and and tons of movies, and you're yeah. always that guy. Uh, and uh, what we were surprised to uh, read about is that you ha you have a very uh, deep friendship with David Letterman. He's an old friend of mine. How yeah. far does that go back? Well, we started at the comedy store together. Oh, so way, 70, way back, okay. 74. So your contemporaries would have yeah. been like uh, oh, Richard, Richard Pryor. Pryor and... Oh, we used to have, go to Richard Pryor's house every uh, Sunday. He had a big barbecue for everybody. Wow. Oh, yeah. That That is sort of the same way the Rat Pack was at the, uh, you know, the Sands. Yeah. And, and and that yeah. was the collection right. that made that particular club legendary. And you were part of that. Yeah. And, you know, Sam and David would come to the, to the cookout at yeah. Richard's house in a tuxedo. And he would be in a limousine <laughs> coming out. Hi, Martin. <laughs> no, he's going to do a show. Yeah. We're he... playing basketball and tennis. No, we playing basketball and tennis and eating barbecue. <laughs> and he comes hey, my, He had a tuxedo. <laughs> he, uh, that, yeah, he was a character, but I yeah, mean, he did, was a character. did you get to spend a lot of time with him? And Because and, he has been called, for people who are unaware, Sammy Davis Jr., I think Sinatra even said, the, 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 probably the most talented man that ever walked the face of the earth. Yeah, he was talented. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he didn't have to wear a tuxedo to the <laughs> No, he <laughs> to the ball. <laughs> we eating barbecue. What, what Sammy? <laughs> um, what, was, what was Richard Pryor like as, a, as just a guy? As a, he a, was a nice fellow. Yeah? Yeah, quiet, okay. though. He was quiet. No kidding. You know, people would think that he would be crazy. But a lot was. of times that's the way, you know. I mean, yeah. we hear that about, you know, uh, Robin Williams is, was that way as well from yeah, what he, I hear, you know. Yeah, he was kind of quiet also. Yeah. yeah. I knew him very well. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, like you say, they turn it on yeah. and off. Yeah, exactly. When I go home, I'm I just I'm quiet myself. It's, it's funny well, because you you can't you can't have that level of uh, you know you you need to decompress. It's right. Like we do, mm -hmm. we we talk for many hours during the morning, and then you just need a little time to, yeah. to ratchet down. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're calming down while you're in the kitchen though, because we've been, <laughs> yeah. been watching you. You're cooking for poor people. <laughs> it's effing hilarious. YouTube show and and episode twelve <laughs> is called. Always remember, hoes gotta eat too. <laughs> and and this is. Our, by the way, are you you always have your shirt off when you're cooking in the kitchen? Yep. What? <laughs> That's why the, the Food Network told me no. What? <laughs> what? They want me to put a shirt on. They're uh, missing out. It's hilarious. Show is funny. Yeah. yeah. I cook. I cook chicken feet and rice. Chicken feet <laughs> and oh rice. God. And I couldn't give it to anyone. I tried to give it to the dog and ran. <laughs> <laughs> what about pig's feet? Pig, uh, they, they ate the pig feet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will occasionally make breakfast without a shirt on just because it's so early in the morning. And I've learned that frying bacon is a pretty risky proposition. Well, you got you to you know, stand back. Yeah, I know. You, you have to do it. That, that grease can find you. Yes, it can. <laughs> Ow! I know, yeah. Hey, have you hung out with uh, Letterman since you retired? I, I text him and all that stuff. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious because it seems like... Um, some of these guys move on from their jobs and yeah. then miss it, you know, and, and he's yeah. going to do a Netflix series. Yeah, um, he's doing a Netflix, a Netflix and series. He's obviously got the beard going, but he came out and he inducted Pearl Jam in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It, and, it, like, these guys are in the spotlight for so long, and then yeah. you remove the spotlight, and it seems like initially that's great. And then mm -hmm. they then retirement sinks in, you yeah. know, and, and they actually have to, they, they get bored. Well, you know, he's got about... 12 homes around the country. Oh, yeah. keep That's busy. a while you get tired of going. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to homes is an occupation. To your place, yeah. He's godfather to your children, right? Well, you? he's not my godfather. You know what? He, I, we lie. That's a big lie we okay. said. Okay. 
But uh, you set up. He that gave line? he yeah. gave me he, both and I. I told him you're gonna be my uh, my son's godfather. He's uh, yeah yeah sure sure. <laughs> <laughs> so That's he bought great. my son a bond when he was born. Okay, and I, the bond matured. I mean, I'm talking. I sent him to college with that money. Wow, wow. unbelievable. Wow. I, I don't even know what bond what kind of bond it was. <laughs> but it matured. I said, damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, when when somebody you are friends with becomes, I mean, you you know, they're, 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 you've seen some legends. I'm Richard. Prior oh, yeah. is, is a legend, but it, it, it is a case of, uh, you know, you're obviously a very talented man, but it's also who you know. And I, was Tim Reed an early friend of yours? Only who, friend of mine. Yeah, I knew Tim very well. And and he introduced you to, to a lot of uh, a lot of people. Was that, was that the case? Well, I knew um, Hugh Wilson, who was an executive producer of WKIP in Cincinnati. Right. He played Venus Flytrap on yep, that show. Yeah, he played. He put Tim on that show. And Hugh got me on his show a couple of times. Very cool. I was on that show. I took that money to pay my rent. So those shows, like Barnaby Jones, which yes. you were mentioning, and I think I remember, believe it or not, because we used to watch CBS had this right. lineup. There was Canon about a very fat detective. And yeah, there was Barnaby right, Jones was be... about a very old detective. Yeah, yeah, he was old. Right? And did you play a, a, like a counselor or something? Yeah, I was a drug counselor. Okay. And you know Sean Penn, that was his first acting job. I thought so. Yeah. yeah. He was... It... His father was a director on Barnaby Jones. That's wild. And he became, that was his first acting job. And then when you're doing a show like that, like a drama like that, it's like, it's, you're grinding out basically a movie in just a couple of days. Yeah, you got to work real, every day, 16 hours. That's crazy. Oh my God. What was the, the experience like with, on The Incredible Hulk? Uh, Bill Bixby was, I remember he was so nice. Yeah. And, um, cause you know, you got your script and you're a little nervous. He said, you want to run lines with me? I said, yeah. <laughs> sure. Now, we've heard, we had Lou Ferrigno in the studio, but the word, the word is he could kind of be a, a, a dick, so to speak. Well, so. I never saw him oh, on oh, the set. Oh, you never set. saw him on the set? No. Okay. All right. When he hulked out, I guess that was another. Yeah. Okay. A whole different ball game. Yeah. Getting a lot of uh, text messages uh, uh, commenting on John. If you're just tuning in, it's John Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Here's one that says, uh, hey, John, you need to coordinate. Yeah. Mushroom coordinate. suit, mushroom shirt, and mushroom socks. <laughs> coordinate. That was uh, that was from Boomerang, right? Boomerang, but yeah. it was all ad lib. Yeah, no kidding. Every every line from that. What scene, about the, the the bang bang bang? Ad lib. That was ad lib. I took it all. I took it from L.A. to New York. I, when I was a kid, we used to do all. We used to say those things. That's so, hilarious. But I all ad lib, and they didn't know what we were going to do. Paramount said we don't want any ad libs around here. We got need We need a script. Who's going to be funny? He said, Witherspoon going to make this real funny. He said, we don't even know Witherspoon. I yeah. mean, so, you're, you're in a movie with Eddie Murphy and David Allen Greer and, and yeah. you know, some really... Halle you know, Berry the, and yeah. Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence, yeah. But, like, some really uh, heavy hitters in the comedy yeah. world. And I, You're the one we remember. Your mm-hmm. lines <laughs> are the ones that everybody quotes. Because I ad-libbed it. I, yeah. No yeah. one wrote those lines. I did it myself. Yeah. Here, what's this from? I, I don't know. Some of these I'm not sure. It says, oh. put, put some hot sauce on my burrito, oh, baby. That's from, that's from Friday. Is that from Friday? Yeah. yeah is, Friday. That the, is that the character you're most, uh, most uh, reg- uh, associated with? That and Boomerang. Boomerang, because... Yeah. Uh, so when it, when a line gets called out of you, yeah. uh, out to you by people who are fans, yeah. which one do you hear the most? Uh, the bang bang the bang, bang man. <laughs> okay. That's the bang 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 man. You <laughs> got to coordinate. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be pretty satisfying when you're. I guess to, yeah. like to Casey's point, contextually, you're with these guys who are considered legends of this yeah. stuff, and you're the guy throwing out the line that gets remembered. But I was innocent. I didn't care. I needed my rent paid. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they flew me to New York. Yeah. He said, you'd be funny. You walk through the door. We want you to be funny. 
Mm-hmm. I, on the way to, on the airport, I on the airplane, I'm writing down stuff I'm gonna say. Okay. You know, it's and I've said this uh, many times. We talk about we have other comedians and actors. People come in here. It seems like when you eliminate all safety nets, yeah, that's when you're going to deliver your best yep. stuff because you've got to make it work. Yeah, is that I, is that what you did? That's what I, I was innocent. You know, yeah. I, there was no safety net. I'm, that's why I got to make this money. Yeah, I, um, they, they want my rent. <laughs> I, I mean, I have said on my way out of the bathroom, uh, you know, uh, oh, at yeah. least a hundred times. Don't nobody go in there. About 35, 45, 45 minutes. <laughs> Open the window. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Um, yeah. Because there, there's also another line where you go, you're, you're like eating up all the. Are you saying hog malls? Hog malls. What is it? What is that? Hog malls is is the hog malls is the um, um, lining of the, of the stomach of a pig. Okay. okay. Yes. I wasn't sure if it was hog balls, and I was just... No, it's uh, hog malls. <laughs> no, they I was hear, hearing hog it malls. wrong. Hog, okay. All the hog malls, all the chitlins, all the collard greens, all the pig feet. Right. So that, that's I it. like pig's feet. <laughs> yeah, pig feet. I want to eat some of them chillings. That, that, that southern is so cooking good. is familiar to me because my, my yeah. mother was a southern cook. Yeah. And, and uh, that stuff, you know, there's an art and a science and yeah. the whole thing to it. I mean, so you're obviously from the videos, you seem to know what you're you're doing. Well, you know, we were eating those when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother father was southern, southern people also. Here, John, what is this from? Somebody says, I've trained my five-year-old to say, don't let nobody know what you're drinking out of your oh, jelly that, jar. That's from. <laughs> That's from my cooking show. Is that from your cooking show? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You're big, Don't let yeah. nobody know what you're drinking at your jelly. <laughs> In fact, that's on the episode you have up here, President. It's yeah. on the whole episode. got to eat, too. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know that line. That's actually from... Um, uh, uh, Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood, yes. Thank nope, you. No, Hollywood Shuffle. Hollywood oh. Shuffle. It was in there, too? I wasn't in Boys in the Hood. No, 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 but but there's a line in Boys in the Hood. where And I... I he says, says, yeah, says, ho's got to eat, too? He's probably, oh, they saying they, go, they get that stuff from me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Hollywood <laughs> Shuffle. Man. That's right. They said that. Robert he said him. that. Right. Yeah. Oh, got to eat, too. That's Cube heard me say that. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood Shuffle is, is, is a fascinating uh, movie because <laughs> Townsend paid for that on a credit card. Yeah. Well, you know, he, Robert, did a lot of lying. He, he did, did a lot of lying. <laughs> he lied a lot on that. He, he lied a lot, yeah. Right. He wrote the whole movie. We all ad-libbed and... Keenan wrote most of that stuff. Right, wow. right. That's why okay. he's not working that that popular these days because people stop working for him. He still owed me money. Does it? Does it? Come, it comes around to, to bite you because yeah. after a while, I mean, you know, you can only steal so long before because that's after, yeah. somebody's bread and butter. Yeah. Well, you can't just say you get on TV and say, "Well, I wrote the whole thing and I use my credit cards and all this stuff." You can okay. be popular for about six months, and then you go down. Okay. Wow. Because eventually you're <laughs> yeah. found out. Everybody, everybody hear you say that, and they're gonna worry, gonna spread that you lying. So, with with you and and, and, and stand up, how how um, where does that stand? And I mean, because you do the comedic acting, and obviously you're yeah. you're, you're classically trained as well. Do, is stand up just just one ingredient, or is it where does it stand right now for you? Is it is well, it your, your your biggest joy? Thank God, I kept uh, my stand up because <clears throat> a lot of my friends who stopped being stand ups, yeah, they, they're not doing well. Now. Right, right. You can't. Depend on movies all the time or TV shows. But I would think. But lucky for me, I got jobs. Yeah. yeah. You seem to be the kind of guy, though, that the career that I would, if I were an actor. Mm-hmm. The, the character who gets called on by you know he, like they say mm-hmm. John he's he's we we put him in he's yeah. going to make it work yeah and that yeah. seems to be what you've been enjoying yeah. over the years yeah I've had, lucky for me I'm, I've been blessed to have that yeah um, I'm. I'm a homeless man starting, again, we're doing Black Jesus. 
Okay. It starts again, third season. The show's very funny. They, we, yeah. They had to rewrite the scripts called Charlie Murphy Died. Oh, that's Remember, right. Remember, he was the co-star yeah. in that. Yeah. So we started taping um, September 12th. Okay. All right. You, so. You've done a fair amount of animated uh, stuff uh, mm-hmm. as well. And what's uh, uh, the Boon the Boondocks. Boondocks. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I, you know, they, they says, um, um, Aaron Magruder and uh, Reginald Hutland say we want you to be granddad. I said, I don't, I don't do no cartoon. What do you mean? Right, granddad. yeah. So I, I said, I do one, and the thing turned out so good. I said, wow, I'm going to do more. There's <laughs> <laughs> some, some more money to pay my rent. Uh-huh. <laughs> it seems like the, the animated, you talk about the people who've worked on The Simpsons for decades. Yeah, oh, they're making so much money. Oh, that money. money. Oh, they're making so much yeah. money. Yeah. Now they're just cleaning up. Well, uh, I'm reading here. Now, tell me if this is true or not, because uh-huh. IMDb can be you uh-huh. know, have false information. But it says uh, last Friday, I guess, is a sequel to Friday. Is right. it pre-production right now? Pre-production, yeah. All right, so Isn't you're, that amazing? You're, and you're going to be Mr. Jones in that again? Oh, they, they cubed, saw me at the airport. He said, you ready to work again? I said, yeah, I'm ready to work. Nice. How many have there been? Because there's next Friday. There were Friday after next, right? Yeah. Friday. Friday after next. And then, oh, wait a minute. No, there's another Friday. one. Friday. Next Friday, then Friday the next. Yeah. Okay. Right. So this will be the yeah, fourth. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> this is the fourth one. So that'd be. Okay. okay. Supposed to, you know, they waiting for the Warner Brothers to sign that check. Yeah. yeah. That's the only problem. That, that, those movies are, are where the first one came out, it was like lightning in a bottle. And I, I think yeah. it crossed over all boundaries. All because boundaries. And, you know, a movie costs $2 million to make. And we, we shot the whole movie in 20 days. And I only made five thousand dollars on that movie. <laughs> no so kidding, you are owed more money. Oh my God! But they're not gonna come and say we made a lot of money. and We're gonna give you a bonus. <laughs> That's not Hollywood talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. I made five thousand dollars. I had to pay my rent. Yeah, it's you know, the rent is critical. That, yeah. that's, when you're in Hollywood, you got to pay your rent. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny you mentioned that, John, because there's there's this uh, documentary that we love. It's called uh, uh, "The Guy Who Was in That Thing." Yeah, and it's about people who are actors. Uh, it is their profession, but they're not quote unquote stars. They're not the mm-hmm. lead roles. They're not taking right. this and that. And and basically, they're just people, you know, living check check and right. and paying the rent and That's getting right. by and doing all yeah. that. And and Hollywood is. Filled with people like that, so many, almost yeah. like nine to fivers, but they're but yeah. they're high profile. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, yeah. we all like millions of people know you. So yeah, now I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I stayed. I kept my comedy. I kept my stand up on the road. Mm-hmm. Where Tim Reed and those other guys, they stopped doing comedy, and they 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 Tim fell is, out. Tim is doing well, but some of these other guys are not doing well. Do you find because we a lot of people you you're in enough things and enough mm-hmm. cult, um, you know, pop culture culty things. That the new generation of directors and writers probably holds you in in great reverence. Do you, yep. Are you getting contacted by young filmmakers who want to use you because they loved you in something they were and weaned when, on? And when they were young, yeah, yeah, they calling me for these parts. A lot of them don't have any money though. <laughs> Just, said, uh, of course, the I bastards. Said, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Do, but, you, uh, do you do you keep? Do you, do you have an agent? Because I know a lot oh, of yeah. you, you talked to a number of people have dumped out on their age. Who were you talking? Was it John Lovitz? Yeah, said, yeah, said, yeah he quit. Yeah. His, his agent yeah. said, uh, well, his agent, I think his exact words to John Lovitz were, <laughs> well, we had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cold thing that's to say. Cold, that is. Oh, that's cold, man. Yeah. yeah. But my agents, uh, man, let me tell you, I'm, I, they're happy for me. Yeah, yeah. 
ICM. They they booked me for I'm booked 47 weeks this this year. That's wow. excellent. Yeah. Man. That's doing stand up. Yeah. Right, so, go, now I got to go back and do Black Jesus starting Tuesday and then I got then I go on the road. I'm going to Houston third Friday night. Aren't Friday. you tired? Oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I get my sleep. I'm going to the hotel right now and go to sleep. What, what, what are you expecting in Houston with all that's been going on? How many? They want to hear some comedy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to go, but I have to take off one day in Houston because I'm working on Black Jesus for four days in a row. All okay. right. So I'm working my butt off. Well, listen, man, we're, we're glad you came by here for a visit. Thank you we're, for we're having big, me again. We're big fans of you, and uh, and we wish you the best and enjoy your time in Philly. Thank you so much. You got it, man. John Witherspoon. Yeah. Right. Yeah, boy. Show. Yeah. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go too far. Get social with Preston and Steve and WMMR. Facebook, Twitter, you know, the usual places. Steven Singer Jewelers is now offering financing online with interest-free options available for a limited time. Get pre-qualified in seconds. Learn more at IHateStevenSinger.com. Are you ready for love and ready to get engaged? Then visit Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut by appointment only or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre File. The Bizarre File brought to you by HERS, the official chip of making the most of your summer. We'll begin uh, actually with a story. It's beyond the Bizarre File. It's just really cool, but I wanted to spotlight it, so I'm putting it here. Rock climbers Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Jorgensen, Jorgensen, uh, finally reached the top of the 3,000-foot El Capitan Wall in Yosemite National Park yesterday, becoming the first ever to free climb the famous granite wall that's considered the world's most difficult rock climb. Ah! People around the world followed on live stream video and social media for 19 days as God, the two man. climbed while documentary filmmakers captured it all. Did you see uh, they were actually, I mean, they were using a common mountain climbing technique of basically, you know, hammering in a hammock on the side, in the cliff side, and sleeping at night, just yep. nailed into the wall. I, there's no effing way. No. Although Caldwell and Jorgensen used ropes and safety harnesses to catch them if they fell uh, since it was a free climb, they didn't use cables to help pull them up or chisel to carve handholds, but instead relied entirely on their strength and ability to get up the wall by finding small cracks and ridges on the surface to grab. All uh, the while, I relied on my ability to watch them, Preston. Uh, the two men lived on the wall since they began in December on December 27th, eating and sleeping in tents that are fastened to the rock. And they, they went on the most difficult side of it. Yeah, they, it's, 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 it's almost a sheer face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so congratulations to those guys. That's huge. Now you got to get down. A Royal Caribbean cruise ship passenger who tumbled overboard near the Mexico port of Cozumel last week was plucked from the ocean in a rescue that was captured on video that has recently surfaced. They just came across this guy, this other cruise ship. It is the most amazing coincidence. I mean, this guy should have been dead. The victim was a guest on the Oasis of the Seas, which was on a seven-night trip that left Port Everglades, Florida on January 3rd with stops in Haiti, Jamaica, and Mexico. The 22-year-old man fell overboard and was spotted by the crew of a nearby cruise ship, which sent a rescue vessel to retrieve him. The operation was videotaped by David Hearn, who was a passenger on the second ship, the Disney Magic. Hearn said that uh, he was in bed around 6.30 a.m. when he heard crew members call out, Mr. Mob, 
which he knew was code for man overboard. I would have thought they were airing Mr. Mom. Uh, He said that he got dressed and headed to the upper deck where he saw crew members lowering a lifeboat into the water. After rescuing the man, they brought him to the infirmary on the ship, then helped him into an ambulance when the ship reached dock. And he apparently was in good shape, and everybody was applauding when he got off of there. Imagine the odds in the ocean of another (laughs) ship moving along, catching this somebody at one of the reports said they actually heard him calling out wow. so he's basically like ship hiking yeah and and they saw him and got him it's just amazing i was telling steve yesterday i watched a special on cruises and how there are way more people than you would think that actually fall overboard and by the time they realize that somebody unless somebody actually sees them by the time they realize that someone has gone overboard it's too late oh yeah you know because the the, the ships are so big and yep. you know maybe whoever you're with is is you know at dinner or at the pool or just doing sure, something different. Sure. By the time you realize it's too late and I they're gone. The impression we have is that that scruffy artist Jack will come running up and save us, yeah. you know, but and there, he, doesn't yeah. always happen. Well, you know what was another thing, too? Um, how many people actually travel alone and vacation alone on a cruise? Oh, really? Yeah. But there's also a, a, a fair amount that go specifically for the purpose of committing suicide. Oh, Yeah. It's a, they don't include that in the Caribbean commercials. Crazy story. Uh, of Ashland, Massachusetts, was charged with disorderly conduct and malicious destruction of property the day after Christmas when it is alleged that she tossed sausages at a police officer Where are the sausages? working behind a glass window at the police station in Farmingham. Uh, there is video surveillance footage of the incident. Just throwing sausages. There was a uh, bearded fellow watching the drama unfold. That was Norman Miller. Uh, Miller was there checking the police log, uh, which was his job. Uh, two things Miller did. He kept his cool and eventually started taking pictures with his cell phone. I would do. So he has uh, shots of, bring me sausages. of this. I don't see no sausages. This woman I throwing sausages, sausages at him. Sausages are good. Lindsay McNamara uh, reportedly told the police officer, I'm here to feed the pigs while throwing oh. sausages at him. She will be that in court political commentary on February 9th, so she shouldn't do that. Why would you feed the pig sausages? I yeah. Know. Yeah? yeah, but they'll eat anything. I guess you're right. In Scotland, a man has been charged in connection with three assaults after a spate of drive-by, drive-by potato attacks. Well, wow, uh, we have a whole meal in the works here. The 18-year-old is here. We're working yeah. on breakfast so, yeah. here. Uh, I hope that the next story is something with a dessert in it. Uh, the 18-year-old was charged following... <laughs> Following three separate incidents in which potatoes were allegedly thrown at pedestrians from a car. Two would, people were injured during the attacks. Which would you rather have thrown at you? What are you more likely to be? Oh, in- sausage. Sausages. Yeah, 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 for sure. Where are the sausages? A 13-year-old girl had a... steak fries? A 13-year-old girl had a potato thrown at her. Uh, leaving her with serious uh, facial bruising, Potatoes. while a second woman said she thought that she had been shot. You remember the, the potato gun that we had? Oh, yeah. yeah. A potato traveling at a decent velocity? Hell, yeah. yeah. Uh, she killed over in the middle of the street outside the Twisted Thistle Pub on Dumberton Road after being struck by a raw baking potato and a tub of coleslaw. <laughs> The F is going on out there. Uh, she added, I've never heard of anything so ridiculous. In my line of work, you hear a lot of crazy stories, but this Thompson Mall, I was so shocked it was terrible. Well, they haven't heard the sausage story. Officers were pursuing a positive line of inquiry in connection with the second man, so they're looking for another potato tosser. 
And then finally, this one is a little more severe. A man, furious when a bus stopped a few meters away from his stop, tried to blow himself and the driver up with an antique hand grenade. Because it was a few meters away. Yeah, this is in China. Okay. Video footage shows Wang Xiaco, uh, 77 years old, lobbing the stick grenade into the driver's compartment of the bus. Fortunately, only the detonator went off with the explosives falling out of the device before any damage could be done, a police spokesman said. Uh, he said the live grenade had been stored by the man in his cell uh, cellar for years, and he decided to use it to get revenge on the bus driver with a suicide bombing. This is uh, my bus grenade. He intended to die himself and was surprised when both he and the driver had survived. A second uh, chance. The bus's camera shows the grenade exploding with a small flash and leaving behind a trail of white smoke. The outraged driver, uh, together with other passengers, then grappled with the man until police arrived. During his trial, Couldn't he just thrown egg rolls at him. During his trial, Wang said that he was angry because the driver had not stopped precisely at the bus stop on a previous occasion. Mm. He said, "I complained to him and he insulted me, and therefore I took the hand grenade with me in order to get revenge on him when I meet him again." You notice he, he bypassed uh, angry confrontation email. Yes, uh, you know, uh, called the, the boss, the Checking manager, the superiors. The, yeah, somebody, and just went right to a, uh, hand grenade. Hand grenade. Yeah, seemed like a logical progression for him. <laughs> And uh, that is what I have for you in the Bizarre File. All right, so we're going to take a break. Come back in a second. Stay with MMR's Saturday Night Concert Series, an hour-long concert made up of the best live performances ever captured. MMR rocks. The Rolling Stones in concert Saturday night at 7. We're all jonesing for live music, and this should help. So hit the backyard, get the tailgate started, and crank up MMR night this summer at 7. It's MMR's Saturday Night Concert Series. Sponsored by Acme Markets, official supermarket of the Preston and Steve Show. This week, the Rolling Stones. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. As you know from being a regular listener to the President Steve Show, we are all big-time movie fans. I was thinking of you uh, yesterday, you know, and, and you, Casey, and, and Nick, obviously, as well. Kathy, not so much. <laughs> we were watching um, Revenge of the Nerds, oh, uh, man. my wife and I, and uh, IFC was showing it, right? I think it was. And uh, it was fairly, you know, intact with the curses and everything. We use a lot of clips for that. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. do. that movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there are a lot of great clips. As they start to conga line through. Uh, and in fact, you know, that brings up Casey set over a um, a list. Uh, and I don't know the source because you just gave me the list. I it's don't the know. Library of Congress. No, yeah. it's not the Library of it's Congress. Most, most rewatchable movies of all time. Yes. Okay, most most rewatchable this movies. list was compiled, Preston, by Maya Angelou. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay, the Poet Laureate. Yeah. Now, there um, was some sort of a, a poll that was taken to comprise this okay. list. All right, from a... 538.com. 538.com. And there's a number over the right here. Oh, it's number of submissions. Okay, I gotcha. So they, they, they basically threw it out to their readers to assemble the list of most rewatchable movies, and we constantly do that. I watch... I'm a movie guy. I really don't watch TV shows. I always, when when uh, my my wife likes to watch shows, I just go immediately to the bank of channels mm-hmm. that have all the premium movie channels, and I just scan through them. 
and I'm still a surfer. I don't, I don't, you know, I just kind of look and see what's on. If something's good there, I'll watch it. If not, then I don't watch That's TV. Not completely true, though. You love, you're a fan of all the housewives. <laughs> oh, really? Housewives. Don't, don't get me started in the bathroom. Gilmore Girls. Yeah. It's yeah. also frustrating with you because you're you're a creature of habit, and, and you'll watch a movie for the 50th time and not watch a movie for the first time. Uh, you you definitely you like what you like. You and talking about The Departed? I'm talking about the, <laughs> lots of things. Yeah. But you did yeah. eventually watch it, didn't you? He I did. did. Yeah. yeah. All right. what, <laughs> what, movie, what movie have you seen? Because I, I'm likewise. It, it, I know people who say, I already saw it, and will not watch a movie again. Mm. That, to me, blows my mind. Oh, I the I rarely watch it more than once. Really? If I've seen the, it, I've seen it. The most recent one that I just finally phased out of watching multiple times is The Martian. Okay. Because they kept running it over and over, and I just loved it. And I, and I kept... I, I was entertained every single time I watch it, and I kid you not, I had to have seen it at least twenty-five times. So, what movie in your life, if you, and it doesn't have to be accurate, no one can check anyway. But what movie would you say you've seen the most? Watch the most, man. Um, I'm looking at there's there's a I'm looking at the list here in front of me, and a few of them would definitely be on here, like Forrest Gump. That one I've probably seen many, many, many times. Um, and it's it's got on here as well. Grease. I've seen that movie a gazillion yeah. times. Well, so there. So if I see a movie, I usually I, I don't need to watch it again. But there are movies that are, I guess, that are so good Porn. that no matter where it is mm-hmm. in the movie, if it's on TV, I will watch it. For me, is Titanic. I'll watch that. And and at Greece, really, yeah. yeah Grease used to be that when I was younger. Like, no, if you turn the TV on, you don't have to watch well, it from the beginning. You can just watch it. Titanic's basically a remake of Grease. <laughs> it is not. Uh, when I was in college, that was our Saturday and Sunday afternoons. You know, we would go to brunch and then come back and watch a movie. And there were always, there were, it was rarely a movie I had not seen before. And, you know, there were, there were movies that were definitely in the regular rotation. Um, and talking comedies, it was like Dumb and Dumber, Tommy Boy, Fletch, uh, Vacation. Wow. Can you hazard a guess as to what is the movie you've seen the most? Uh, you know what? Um, when you asked that to Preston, I thought maybe it might be The Goonies. Okay. It might be the three amigos. Okay. I mean, I, I think that's that's so viable. I mean, or Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Okay. So well, no, Dumb and Dumber. Okay. God, okay. how many? I've seen Fletch so many I times. Know. I, know, I didn't even think of that until you mentioned mm-hmm. that. I went and saw Back to the Future again oh. at, at the Man last year, and I've seen that movie fifteen million times. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go see it with a live orchestra and, and and change the experience. I've seen Caddyshack. Yeah. And Animal House. Over and over and over and still love those movies. Yeah. What about Blues you know? Brothers? Oh, my God, yes. Okay. Yeah, backwards and forwards. I used to watch that all because we had it on VHS. We had it at home. We'd what, watch it all the time. What movie did you see the most in the theater? Not not at home. You happen to cross it on, on cable. You act, actively went to see it in the theater the most. Man. I've n- I don't think I've ever seen a movie more than twice in the movie theaters. I know you went to see uh, 2001 six five times, times in a week. Six oh, times, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot it went on Saturday as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to maybe. I, let me let me think about that right. for a second. It's funny because they fall into different genres, obviously. So there there are comedies like Tommy Boy Casey that I've seen a million times, and Fletch and whatever else. But I've seen uh, Shawshank a lot. I've seen The Fugitive on repeat mm. many, many, many times. And then uh, and you mentioned Gump, Preston. But I think probably for me, Steve, the one that I've seen the most, it's probably Star Wars. Because I started watching it as a kid and continued watching it as a teenager. And then it became something else when I was in college. And then and now that I'm a father, I watch it with my son. I saw Star Wars in the movies, paying to see it in the movies. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say 
20 times. Yeah. Oh and, and you probably went really? with, the, with, yeah. with the re-release. Right? I, would, when, I would take yeah. different people yeah. and I, I would, uh, and then the re-release and all that stuff. So, oh, yeah, I mean, there was a time like when Jaws came out, I saw that six times in the theater. Wow. Um, uh, to me, the ultimate party movie, Schindler's List. I saw that. In the, no, I saw that four times in the theaters, four or five times in the theater. I, I mean, it, it was just, it just blew me away so much. And then what happens is you get so excited. This is, you know, a, a while ago. I have to take people that I, I really, you know, I really want them to experience it. Well, some of this while you were on the road doing comedy shows? Yes. Oh, yeah. Because you had yeah. some time to kill. <laughs> Let me tell you, and I, I told you the story about how Die Hard saved my life up in uh, <laughs> Rochester, New York. A town that should not exist. And but it does. It's like it's like Brigadoon. It becomes a, oh like, my like, god. It, it's it appears. Yeah, right. They should say that on the sign when you drive me. <laughs> but the multiplex had Die Hard and Phantasm playing, and I and I was like, oh, thank uh, God. Uh, no. well, are you going to go through the list? Because I yeah. so I'm looking at the list, and uh, so there are movies then that I have watched a number of times, okay. and they're, right. they're on this list. And do you have it split up? between men and women, or do you just have one list? I just have one list. Okay, so there's what? there's what the men watch and then what the, mo- the oh, women watch. Oh, okay. Can you I print that, that up? Yeah, please print that up. There's yeah. a couple of more movies that uh, just during the course of this conversation that, that aren't on this list that are rewatchable for me, and they're Bill Murray movies. One is um, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day I, is I, a I, masterpiece. I can watch that anytime it's on TV. And then also, what about Bob? Which is funny because I used to not like that movie, and now I love it. Do you know what I'm saying? I've been revisiting, and it's an older one. It's the first one in the series. One Girl in a Cup is really, <laughs> is really amazing. And really? then, um, you know, what was funny is uh, yesterday I heard somebody say uh, for the Breakfast Club their their favorite line of the movie was. Um, uh, when Anthony Michael Hall had a fake ID and they asked him yeah. why, and he says, To vote. To vote. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he puts his hands up like, why else would I have that? I, <laughs> okay, here's here's one, Preston. I know you've been on this path as well, this 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 um, trajectory here. Step Brothers. Oh in, in the God. past month, I watched it about 11, 12 times. Steve, I just came... I was just flipping through channels and I came on when they're sleepwalking. <laughs> he just starts throwing coffee in his face. The coffee beans. Or oh when, when the, cereal. Dad, the dad wakes him up. Uh, yeah, that one grew on me. I, I liked it at first, but now I really have grown oh to love it a lot. Oh, my God. When she goes in and pees in the urinal. <laughs> hey, what's happening? That movie is so, uh, it's so over the top. It's I just awesome. Ball you up and <laughs> I can't say what she says. Show you in my, yeah. Uh, hang on. Let me go to, uh, let me go to Aaron. He's got, uh, this is a tough one to beat. Hey, Aaron, good morning. Hey, guys. What's going on? Hey, man. So, all right. How obsessive are you about this one particular movie that you're going to mention here? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I'm beyond obsessed. Uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Yeah. I, I, I've seen that in theaters five times. Yeah. Uh, the first day it came out, I went by uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, and then I saw it uh, five more times, ended up with uh, IMAX at the uh, Franklin Institute wait, wait, that night. Wait, you saw it five times in one day? Five times in one day. Wow. Yeah, so from, from morning till... Uh, let, I. I love that movie. It's I, a great I, movie. It may be amazing. It's to me. It's it's in that rarefied um, level with uh, Empire Strikes Back. I think it's it's up at that level. I I remember being. Uh, it's just an emotional movie, and yeah. I just don't know yeah. how it can be such a great movie and simultaneously make a New Hope a better movie. Yeah, at the same time, oh, I love yeah. it. But five times in one day—that's a little. That's over the top. Did anybody join you on this little excursion? 
yeah, yeah. It was uh, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and your parole officer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, but she she hung in there. Uh, she kind of fell asleep when we went to saw it uh, to see it in IMAX. But uh, but yeah, no, the five times in one day, and then since it's been out, uh, even more times then. Well, you know what what happens is is that. It- Sometimes Preston, and this is what movies when they're when they fire on the proper cylinders can do, it just catches you. You you get passionate and enthusiastic and like, oh my god! Mm-hmm. And it's it's you know it's just this heightened sense and it's a euphoria yeah. like the original Star Wars. Yeah, oh yeah, that that was an experience yeah. all the way around. Uh, let me go to Cheryl. Hey Cheryl, good morning. Good morning. How hey, are you? Doing great. So what is okay. it? What's the movie? My husband and I are completely overwhelmed by Godfather 1 and 2. And I calculated that since those movies came out, we watch it, I calculated, over 100 times. Only Godfather 1 and 2, not 3. So I I would have to be um, out ahead of you in that because I've I've seen it countless times. I'm going to say well in excess of 100 times because I saw both of those multiple times in the theaters when they came out. The thing is, it's just so long, and it's such a commitment. That's, 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 but, that's why I haven't watched it as many. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I'm talking all the iterations. When they take it and they make one seamless one. The saga. Yeah, the whole... I know exactly what you're saying, and then they, they have the various versions. I tell you what, in Preston, we have this constant thing, and I think it's it's a good way to tell where you are in life or how happy you're feeling. or It's like, a, a, like an inkblot test. Which Godfather do you prefer now between one right. and two? Right. That, uh, uh, I think I prefer two. Okay. You know, I go I, I go back and forth. Steve and I, we regularly yeah. do. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I never really can say definitively that one is better than the other. It depends on <laughs> wh- what mood I'm in. And they're know? just both. They are both. Thanks, Cheryl. Yeah. I was going to Cheryl, go ahead. American masterpiece. Yeah, Cheryl, do you like Star Wars too? Oh, we lost her. Oh, we lost so, her. I'm sorry, Kate. Right. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, by the way, so we have the breakdown. L- let me let me go through some yeah, of this please. list here. And uh, I mean, there's 25. Of them. I'm not going to do all 25. Just let do me. the top 24. Let me do. Uh, let me start at number 10. And this is the the complete list. And I'll break it down in gender. So movies to watch multiple times. Oh, you got to start at 11, really. Uh, why? 10 because, is a bad number. Just look at 11. Oh, uh, well, 11 is Forrest Gump. Yeah. Ah. Okay, so we'll start there. And then, then let me go through these real quickly, and then we'll, then we can talk about them. Uh, Ten is It's a Wonderful Life. Harry Potter is number eight. The entire series, it says. So I don't know if that means all of them or any of the movies in the series. If any of those uh, are on, I will I'll sit and watch whatever ones. And there, there's not a stinker in the lot. Uh, number eight is Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Uh, number six, The Princess Bride. Ed did both really well, highly in both genders, by the way. Quick question. Would, where do you keep the Green Mile? Because it's in that same universe with Shawshank. Shawshank's a better movie. I've watched it so many times. But The Green Mile is phenomenal. Yeah, The Green Mile has more, you know, otherworldly stuff uh, to it, which makes it really cool and and interesting. I'd put it way up there with this, man. The the one character in The Green Mile is so reprehensible that I can't, that I, I, that's, I don't uh, like watching it because of him. Is it Percy? Percy? No, no. Percy? Or do you mean... Uh, the one who likes to kill people. Uh, oh, that's... Uh, um, hang on a second. Uh, they call him uh, uh, Wild, Wild Bill. Wild Bill, yeah. Yeah. I don't like him. Uh, then uh, then you have uh, number six, The Godfather. Yeah. Six. Interesting. Um, followed by Gone with the Wind at number five. Never, now, I've seen, seen Gone seen with the Wind. I'd, I'd put that probably in the 70, 80 times. Oh, my God. Well, I've seen it a few times. I saw it once. Uh, it, it, Preston, when it first debuted That's on, commitment, on um, home box office, they were calling it at the yeah. time. 
they were running it constantly around around the clock, and I, I it was it was like a, a Christmas story, but with the Civil War. Right, <laughs> right. But Casey, that's a commitment. You ever seen that movie? Never. It's a long one. Is it okay? It's yeah. a great movie. It yeah. is a great movie. Yeah. Uh, Pierre bought it for me for Christmas one year. I thought he bought you Casablanca. Is that <laughs> what it was? Same thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, because it's in black and white. Which I got to tell you, Sam. I hope <laughs> the Confederates win. So there you go. That's uh, that's how many times I've seen of all the civil wars in this world. You had to walk into mine. Uh, number four <laughs> is the Lord of the Rings series. Oh, uh, I can't. Like I'm done with that. That. Series. I have seen them a couple of times each. Yeah. Th- that is an investment, and I know that I, I consider it one of the absolute greatest movie trilogies of all time. Yeah, the first one is all I'll really it's go my favorite. Yeah. time with. Uh, number three, The Hills Are Alive. <laughs> oh, Sound of Music. Sound of Music. I hold that, that movie near and dear. In fact, the top three here are of my really speak to my childhood. Number you, three is the sound of music. You are, your lineage, you're, you're part Van, Von Trapp. Are I you am, not? I'm yeah. one of the Van Trapps. Yes. Yeah. Preston, Preston Von Trapp. Trapp. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Von Sack. Von Sack. That's what we uh, went by. And then <laughs> Here you're a Von Sack. Yes. Um, uh, second was The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which those two movies, when I was a kid, yep. and, and before being able to rent them, when they came on TV, it was an event. Mm-hmm. They it made it an Everybody event. gather around the TV. We're going to watch it tonight. And The Sound of Music was like three and a half, four it was hours long. long. And when you did rent it, well, also it came with two tapes when two you cassettes. rented it. Yeah. Uh, but when you did rent it, you'd watch it a number of times before you'd have to return it. You yes. know what? So that was the other thing. When you rented movies, you you know, you yeah, wanted to make yeah. sure you got your money's worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so The Wizard of Oz, number two. And number one, Nick, Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Star Wars is number one as far as movies that... You can watch again, 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 multiple viewings. I saw it one time. Yeah, you did. I tell you. Did you like it? I don't remember. Okay. Did she like it, Nick? Since she doesn't remember. No, you did remember. And I remember you liking it, and I remember you enjoying the wine that we had. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what I enjoyed better. Yeah, have a glass oh, of wine. <laughs> yeah. I liked it. Welcome to McElwain Manor. <laughs> and then I fell asleep on Nick's couch. It was weird. Well, all right, so we, we what are these hickeys? Thank God you're a sound sleeper. Yeah. So to break these down in, in gender, okay, so I'll give you the, the, the top ten in gender. Or <laughs> Do you have transgender uh, films? There's a lot of them that tied. So for, for men, uh, Star Wars, the entire series ties at number 11 with The Avengers. Hmm. Uh, then at number 10 is Caddyshack, then Gladiator, and, and then here's a tie for ninth, Gladiator and Gone with the Wind. Pretty much the same movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then a four-way tie for eighth, Die Hard, Casablanca, Forrest Gump, and It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is way up there. Before it became trendy to watch It's a Wonderful Life and it became the holiday must-see movie, uh, it would air early in, like uh, on Christmas morning at like 3 o'clock in the morning. I was watching it back then. Number seven, tied, is Goodfellas in The Sound of Music. Goodfellas is an- another one. Falls in that Godfather realm where there's just, there's no there's no bad part of that movie. You know what's not on this list is Lethal Weapon, and I put Lethal Weapon above Die Hard. I, I do not. One. No. I love Lethal Weapon. Yeah. But the first Die Hard, again, saved my life in Rochester. Die Hard also <laughs> defined a genre. I mean, there were so many Die Hard on a plane movies after yeah. that. I mean, there was actually a Die Hard on the plane. <laughs> Uh, four way, four way tie for six. Uh, Star Trek. It doesn't indicate which one. It just says Star Trek. I'm gonna guess Voyage Home, the one where they're all super fat. Uh, I with don't the whales. Know. With the whales. Yeah. Uh, then you have The Matrix, Shawshank Redemption, and The Princess Bride all tied. Huh. Yeah. 
Um, number five, Pulp Fiction. Pulp okay. Fiction. That's one we didn't talk about. That's one about. that I didn't get at first. I was like, I, I don't understand. Me too. Do you yeah, know what, though? I've got a sequence. It. It's different. You I know? don't end up watching Tarantino movies over and over again. I mean, I'll, I'll catch them. I've caught them all a couple of times. But a lot of times... Um, you know, I can I can pass it by if I the first if I'm, the first time I saw Pulp Fiction I didn't uh, no dig I it. didn't I didn't even finish it I was like this is I don't like this at all but then I watched it again and yeah. was, you know got through it and was like okay this is a good movie do you know what happens with a lot of his stuff and he freely admits it he he takes influences from other movies that I've already seen and that I love like you know Reservoir Dogs is from a movie called City on Fire oh. and um uh, you know but the, he's his style is so cool and so dense. With stuff that it almost begs you to watch it again to catch all the stuff you missed. Yeah, you know what really does it for me with Pulp Fiction is the soundtrack. Because it really does take me back to college. And I really, really loved college. <laughs> <laughs> number four is The Wizard of Oz. This is for men, by the way. Uh, number three, Lord of the Rings series. Number two, The Godfather. And number one, Star Wars. Now, for the ladies, a little bit different. Uh, tied for uh, two way tie for seventeenth place was You've Got Mail. You've and, got and That's Pride funny. and Prejudice. When you watch You've Got Mail now, it's funny because of how dated it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, technology. Yeah. yeah, number six. It's called electronic mail. <laughs> number sixteen is Love Actually. That yeah, I, I, okay. I'm it's a, a great girl. movie. Yeah, I watch uh, that every time. Number fifteen is Finding Nemo. Love. Number fourteen is Green Inferno. <laughs> Actually, it's The Godfather. Oh, The Godfather. 13 is Forrest Gump. 12 is It's a Wonderful Life. 11, The Lion King. 10, The Notebook. <laughs> ah. She's got Alzheimer's. That will... That movie will rip your heart out like five times in a row. They bitch slap you in that movie. That's what they kills do. me is that they go through... They go through... No one person should go through all that crap. Yeah. I still haven't seen it. It's about a notebook. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know what, Kathy? Maybe we should invite Nick over and have some white wine yeah. and, uh, and watch, watch the, the and, and then Nick will wake up Hope you don't with, Hick, with hickeys on his neck. It's Trust a good, me, it's a good movie. Happen. Okay, It is a good movie, but it is, uh, it, it, you'll be crying your eyes out. Right. I mean, Especially because you, you have James Garner and you have... Uh, um, well, don't, he hasn't seen it. Don't give it away. Oh, um, the actress? Yeah. Jenna Rollins. Jenna Rollins? Yeah, who used to be married to Ben Gazzara, who we remember from Roadhouse. That's right. <laughs> Uh, number nine is no. He was married. She was married to John Cassavetes. Sorry, sorry. Okay, Kathy, I know was going to catch me on that. <laughs> number nine is ta- Titanic. Kathy, yes, that would uh, be one for me. And that's tied with Shawshank Redemption. And then at eight is Grease. This is for women, by the way. Seven, Pretty Woman. Yeah, never that's, seen it all the way. I saw that movie a lot of times. Yeah. When yeah. you watch Pretty Woman, do you imagine yourself as Julia Roberts or Richard Gere? <laughs> no, her slutty friend uh, Kit. Laura, oh, you're Kit. Yeah, yeah, I'm Kit, man. <laughs> I'm the one that missed out. Reach, Bev, Will. Got it. Guess, Got it. guess you're going to remain a hooker. <laughs> 50 bucks, Grandpa. For <laughs> 75, the wife can watch. That's uh, actually a good deal. <laughs> That's actually very frugal. <laughs> it's an early bird special. It's my bird. Uh, number seven is The Princess Bride. It's a beautiful movie. Number six, Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Uh, That's another one. Over and over. Yeah, no matter where it is in the movie, I can I can watch it. Did you watch the remake, the TV remake that they just did? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 um, Miss, the, this little Miss Sunshine was the, the yes. girl in that. Uh, Abigail um, Breslin. Breslin, yes. You didn't think she was all that great, right? Well, she, it was a little weird because... Um, <laughs> 
well, not to put this in delicately, but she was a um, she was a little more um, full figured. Yeah, she was and uh, they actually needed to use a, a caterpillar crane. I just love you for know the final dance sequence. Hindsight and and uh, Family Guy does a great bit on this where they say at the end of Dirty Dancing, uh, "How old are you?" Forty. Then <laughs> 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 the cops come in and they take him away. <laughs> uh, so- <laughs> Surprisingly, on the ladies' list, number five is the Lord of the Rings series. The Lord of the Rings speaks to all the things that I think you know. Uh, it's a, there are universal concepts of, of friendship, and and uh, there's really no. Well, there is a love interest in it. There's some some peripheral love interests, you know, but not mm-hmm. uh, not a not a notebook style love interest. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the still, Preston. You see what I'm saying? Uh, uh, yeah. On the left, from the original. And from the right, the dirty dancing lift in the wall, and they they cut around the um, they cut around the resort, and birds are taking off, and animals are running. And he's trying to, and then he finishes off the rest of the movie in a wheelchair. All right, take ninety-two. Yeah. All right, then we're going to CGI out the cables. So that was six on the list. They five. actually had the Hulkbuster lift her All up right, at the end. Five was the Lord of the Rings. Number four, Star Wars. Wow. Yeah, for ladies. Number three, Gone with the Wind. Uh, number two, The Sound of Music. And number one for women watching a movie over and over again, The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Hmm. Very, very interesting. You know what they did? Honestly, you know, it's, it's awesome. They took The Wizard of Oz and they redid it in 3D. And uh, it's, a, oh, it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. It, it was so awesome because you remember in the original, obviously, the first time you saw it, they went from black and white to color. Mm-hmm. Well, when they, they do it in this, they, everything just pops so much more. And the flowers and everything are right, you know, are, right are like there, yeah. popping off the screen. It is amazing. It's an amazing movie. It's funny on that list, Preston. I think you only had one uh, Pixar movie, which was Finding Nemo. And, and yeah. uh, the more, you know, that you have kids and, and those just become repeat viewing in my in my house. The, the movie that I think my kids have seen the most is Spaceballs. Oh, no kidding. They just wow. watch it over and over and over. Huh. They love it. At what it. age can they watch Spaceballs? There's some S-bombs yeah. in there, and there might, there might be an F in there as well. There might be one, I think, but uh, right. but it's... Yeah, because the ratings have changed. They have. They definitely <laughs> yeah. have. So, yeah, there's there's A-hole. There's there's plenty of S-bombs. Right. Start, with the, start with Blazing Saddles. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the president is also in bed with uh, some girls, too. Mm-hmm. So. He's having a threesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Spaceballs. Yeah. Spaceballs came out many years after Star Wars had yeah. Had Mel, been out. Mel Brooks even I I saw an interview with him he said we're way past the the Star Wars yeah. you know, fascination but he went for it and, yeah. it and it was great. Do you think um they'll do a remake they have they'll do a remake of uh, Wizard of Oz, don't you think? They've done other versions of it, right? They, and they've, like, they've revisited, um, you know. But I'm it, talking like theatrical. Eh, they might be a, they might be smart enough not to. Well, th- you know what they you would that was said about a number of other films and and things that I thought they shouldn't have done they did and and I stand corrected on a few of them if they if their their hearts in the right place and they can capture the the whimsy of the first then maybe or or find a different angle on it. 
I like the ones with James Franco. I thought those were. I pretty, thought, yeah, that, I of course, that well wasn't the, that wasn't the the regular Wizard of Oz story the way we know it. You know, but, no, no, that was like an origin of yeah, the, an origin, the Wizard. Yeah, yeah. yeah which and was, I thought it was fun. I thought it was pretty cool. No, so. Wicked the play is that an origin or a continuation of Wizard of Oz? It's an or It's the 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 creation of the the Wicked Witch of the West okay. and the the Good Witch of the East and their relationship as kids and how. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I heard that's really good. It's a stage show, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure book. we'll make that into a movie. <sighs> All right, anyhow, these are movies. I thought it was an interesting list. Got to take a break. Be back in a moment. Stay with us. Everything that rocks includes cool MMR swag you can wear. Available now in the MMR Rock Shop. Like t-shirts, hoodies, and tank tops. With designs from retro MMR logos to the latest from the Preston and Steve Show branded hats and tops. For guys and gals, all with the MMR attitude you expect. Plus a few things to keep your pie hole happy, like coffee mugs and masks. Search the word shop at WMMR.com and get shopping. Stuff for you, gifts for them. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks your wardrobe. We have a couple of guests in our studio, and we might be adding a third in a little while here. I hope you have had a chance to see the teaser are for the show Crashing. It's uh, the world of stand-up comedians, and we'll get uh, into the more details yeah, yeah. of that. We want to welcome to our studio two gentlemen. First of all, welcome Pete Holmes to the yeah. program. Oh, yeah, okay. Star <laughs> Crashing. And we'd like to welcome our great benefactor of the Camp Out for Hunger for Years, the one and only Judd Apatow. Yeah. You guys have cost me so much money. <laughs> but you've done a good thing, man. You and know, Artie. Uh, and the great Artie Lang is Artie here. Lang! They're doing their pleasantries. Yes. Artie's making his way over. We'll set him up on this. Uh... Sorry, this is better television than radio. Artie just walked in. He He's... stole a cup from the uh, hotel, it looks like. <laughs> you got to uh, put a chain on that like a pen at the bank. <laughs> wow. How you doing, Artie? Hey, All right, how you doing? Yeah, man. I was on radio. You know, <laughs> he's new to this. Yeah, this is a noise like a warehouse or something. Yeah, well, all the mics on. You're all side by side. So very, very cool. Very cool to have you all in here. Uh, and and um, the the show. We we were looking at the trailer. We we love the concept. And um, it's this is actually sort of uh, Pete. This is your. Sort of a, uh, a paraphrasing of, of your life experience. Oh, I thought you were going to say this was your baby. I was like, I've always wanted a baby. Yeah, this is, it's, a, it's a fictionalization. It's a, what, what Jed is so good at is taking something that's true. You know, I yeah. was religious. I did get married very young. My wife did leave me for a very small man named Rocco. Uh, <laughs> he legitimately was named Rocco. Yeah, she wow. left me for a boxer named Rocky. Rocco. That is a boxer. Real. Wait, that's a detail. Yeah, I never I heard. And here we are in Philly. It's so perfect. It's so perfect. But the show is is uh, much funnier. That's what Jed. You know, we talked about what actually happened, the emotion we got correct, but then Jed is like. A real divorce isn't, isn't fun or, or funny no. or eventful. But you know what? There's it, a lot of sleeping and masturbating. <laughs> of course. You know, but that's, that could be said of any lifestyle. So i gotta, I got to ask you about this guy. Yeah, because yes. <laughs> What's my excuse? I'm still doing that. I'm, it's been a decade. There, there's a little detail that I saw in the trailer, and it's when you come in and you realize that your wife is sleeping with another man, and he is tattooed on his chest. The L from Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. I had to pause it to make sure that was yeah. legitimately. I, 
I wish we could take credit for that. Oh. That is the dude's real. That's George Bezos. Are you kidding? That's his real tattoo. Jesus. I, he's a friend of mine. He's hilarious. I Because th- the character's name is Leaf. I thought he put the L on his chest to the be show. funny in the audition. Wow. He was like, no, that's my daughter's name. Starts with an L. And I was like, all right, well, everyone's going to be making fun of you on the radio. Oh, what, I just what, want did you, know. what did she used to drink? What was it, Coke and uh, Pepsi milk and, and milk? Milk and Pepsi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. That's a little thing you could add on to that. The Shirley Temple is superior to the Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> you know what? This is, right now, the, the time that we live in is, is such a great time for stand-up comedians because there are so many avenues out there besides the stage and the club and all that stuff. You've got social media. You've got the podcasting, which you guys explore in the show as well. And, Artie, so you have, from what I see, you have him on your podcast. Right. Is that legitimately your podcast, or is this just made no, up for the show? No, it's people I could never get in real life on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've known Sarah Silver for like 30 years. I can't get on the phone. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, so it was fun for me to get to, you know, have Pete and Sarah there, and then we have my real producer of the of the, my podcast came in, which was a great detail that I guess was not necessary, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, well, we like to do that. We wanted to get some of the real people. Oh, uh, I loved it, sure. yeah. It was awesome. I love telling him not to speak. <laughs> <laughs> if you talk, we owe you a thousand dollars. Please sh- be quiet. He's a Chicago... He's got, an effem- he's got a rare thing, an effeminate Chicago accent, which is rare. Like, it's usually Mike Sitka. It's impossible. But he's like, yeah, and he's like, hey, listen, guys, I've got to go to the Bears game. And... Uh, <laughs> I've got Bears tickets. And I, 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 and he doesn't drink, but sometimes I think he likes to get out of doing me uh, favors to, to tell me he drinks. And he goes, I'm hammered. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he lives with me. Uh, so he weaseled that in. It was like Felix. He told me he was going to leave in the two months. And then, um, uh, so he just does everything for me now. Uh, and, there you uh, go. And he, they put him on the show, which was really cool. I mean, you know, he was very excited about that. You know? Well, you know, it's funny because we like to peel, go behind the curtain on, on, uh, on stand-up comedy and, and, uh, and all of that. And this, uh, Judd, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is catching the process in the open mic stages, which is almost never explored. But it's, it's when a, a, a comedian who's finding themselves is the most vulnerable. Yeah, and and you're you're vulnerable in your own personal experience to begin with because of finding the Laverne and Shirley guy. With you. <laughs> How and, dare and, you? And then you're you're trying to you're starting out in comedy. My question is, you're a practice, you're a hilarious comedian. How did you retrain yourself to appear um, that you're in your embryonic stages? <laughs> Comedy is so hard. It's so easy to revert right back to the beginning, yeah. I feel. But, Judd, I mean, you uh, would have us do the same material more than once for the same audience, which would manufacture. Okay. We would just bore the people who were watching us tape. So I would just say, Pete, do your act. And he's like, well, how do, we, how do I bomb? I'm like, just do it, and then do it again. And by the third time, they're just going to naturally yeah. not like you. They hate you. They're so mad. So I would do bits that I've written recently and yeah. bits. It was nice to do jokes that I wrote in my early stages as well. But I like I like origin stories. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when I want to see how Batman becomes Batman because there's more risk that he's going to get beat up. There's more stakes. Sure. You're more worried for him. And I, we, Judd and I were excited that there hasn't really been a show about 
a comedian becoming good instead of just already being to, great. To getting to that point and catching yeah. it at that stage years ago. And now I, I know uh, you're, you're uh, Judge Sayas and I'm um, uh, East Northport, Northport, and the whole area, Eastside Comedy Club, governors, yeah. all that stuff. Is this the traffic up there? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand anything It's packed up on the Seaford Oyster Bay. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, but that whole, because uh, I did a little stand-up comedy back uh, on Long Island and going through that process. Oh, and you, you always feel, at that point, you feel like you're such a, you're you're sitting at the small card table next to the adult table. That's right. And 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 it's you're 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 very very um, uh, confused, and it's a weird feeling. And it's, oh it's but God. it's a it's a right that every right of passage every comedian has to go through at some point. Yeah, one of my favorite shots of the whole series, Artie and I did. Uh, it was actually at Governors. We shot yeah. Governors for Albany. It was supposed to be Albany. Right. <laughs> and, uh, it worked perfectly. <laughs> no one will know that. Yes. Uh, I've been perfect. at Governors in a while. That is like a woo. That's a callback to the beginning. Yeah. yeah that's right. where I used to do open mics with the, John Mulrooney was the host. John right? Mulrooney. Yeah. And it was a terrible open mic because John Mulrooney loved to get the crowd riled up right. and then just attack them. Like, he <laughs> wanted people to heckle and then he would destroy them. And yeah. he was really, like, a tough comic. He would do three hours. I see him yeah. in Rascals in Jersey. Yeah, three hours of just messing with people. And you never would want to follow that because they the crowd thought, oh, our job is to scream at the comedian. Yeah, oh, That's yeah. the fun part. And so it's all ill-equipped people. And yeah. at Eastside Comedy, I was a dishwasher when I was in high school and a busboy. And Eddie Murphy was still coming in. He was 21 years old. Wow. And uh, and then they would they would immediately take bets on how long he would do the second he walked in. Oh, he, he would really? he, he'd take the stage for a long because he's like yeah. comedy club was like a converted it was like a Wendy's or something. it was like some weird bizarre building. Yeah, it was it was like a you know, like a Red Lobster turned into a comedy club, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a legendary place, and I was there in the the. Early eighties, oh, everyone was coked oh, out of their minds. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but a lot of people started there. Rosie O'Donnell, I remember, was sure. just starting there, and, and the great like Rob Bartlett and Bob Nelson were the big stars of the club. That's but so it, funny. it's it, it's yeah. it's, a, it's a part in you know that that whole process where you're you know and 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 crashing, and you you spend a lot of time on people's couches. As yeah, comedians can be, um, and we, we, you know we have a lot through here that can be very supportive, but also very. Undermining, yeah, yeah, you know we get that a lot. I wonder, Artie, because I've had to answer this question, Jed. What do you think about it? I'm always like, I don't see the backstabbiness that people are always asking yeah. me about. I understand that it's there, but I'm like, is it actors or something? I don't know yeah. who it is because, in my experience, Pete, quietly everyone hates you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he was. You don't see it because it's like, you. Like yeah. I'll say, I'll say, Amy Schumer, you should do Pete's podcast, and she's like. No, I'm never doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I've uh, I've whispered a hole forty times right now. Jerry. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! As you're um, as you're coming up as a stand up comedy, I love stand up comedy. I've always wanted to be a stand up comedian, but I realize how hard it is, and I'm not uh, brave enough to get up on the stage and do that. But as you're as you're doing this and you're doing open mics and you have this vision of who you are, but that's not necessarily who you really are. Like, you, you are yeah. who you think you are and how you're perceived by your audience. So where do those two meet, and where does the success come from? Well, I think that's one of the interesting things we're exploring on the show is the role of failure and, like, a lot of pain yeah. and, and crappy experiences kind of refining comedians into funny people. Because when you start, you're absolutely right, and the material 
you're doing is very bad and, and light and jokes that anybody could do. But the great thing about stand-up is it's so painful, you have to get better or you'll just keep getting hit in the nuts. Every, can you say nuts? Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> we, have a, uh, we have a nice uh, relationship with Mike Barbiglia. And, um, what I, I should have said <laughs> was nothing. That was so good. And you were in Don't Think Twice. And, and Joe, yes. you have a, a relationship with Mike as well, obviously. He was a consultant. <laughs> on the show. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, so that you look was, like Mike Birbiglia. I do. <laughs> a little bit. Wow, that's a compliment. I just think whoever he's you're talking about, yeah. you look like that. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, I'll take it as a compliment yeah, because he's, he's talented. But yeah. I, I love Don't Think Twice, and I loved it because of what um, it seems to me is sort of mirrored in, in this show. There's the... Um, you pay attention to the art of the craft, you know? And, and, and yeah. we're all fans of that. So how do you do that without getting too far away from actually being funny and entertaining? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. I think we might have failed. <laughs> doesn't look that way. Well, it's about suffering. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's something about, you know, it's a weird profession because you have to do it in front of people while you suck. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's a bizarre part of it. Yeah. And so if you're trying to make money and you desperately need to pay for your bills and it's hard to get anyone to pay you when you're bad at it. So yeah. it's, well, there's, it's, it's strange. Hookers do that too. <laughs> the other professionals, they, they, learn, they learn on the job. The hooker open you. mic scene is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. It yeah. sounds great. It's like a free haircut. You'll I think that's it. that what you said. Well, you, it's good to have Judd because you trust somebody. Like, you know, he, he knows how to get it right. So if you, you figure you just throw a bunch of stuff out there, he'll know what he's doing in the editing room. That's true. Uh, if not, if not, it's like I'm clearly the bad luck charm in his career. <laughs> well, don't when you I have first to be on Howard? If the ratings book came out and it was he was number seven, I'd be like, what, what? he'd look around the room and go, "What's different? <laughs> <laughs> What's the reason we suck?" Now? Well, that's actually true. One of the great scenes in the pilot, and a, a big reason why I think we got picked up, was this amazing scene that Artie did that Judd directed in the pizza place, where the film was we shot on film, so you sure. only have fifteen minutes per reel, and Judd just yelled out like. Artie, talk about what you would uh, warn a new comedian about. And Mr. Lang here, Mr. Oh, I'm a mess and I can't. It kills it. Consummate professional. Destroys the reel. Everyone applauds. Yeah. Like Nick Nolte doing an amazing monologue. <laughs> People are wiping tears. Someone got pregnant. It was amazing. But that's Judd's genius knowing this is a re- We cast what a real resonates. guy yeah. with real stories. And we just let him talk to a real version of me. I got to say, Artie, I, I read your book, Crash and Burn. And- Man, oh man, that is a powerful ass book. Your your ability also to be as candid and entertaining at the same time, I think, is the skill set that makes you just such a great comedian. Because um, I mean, there's there's a lot of soul bearing yeah, in yeah. that, uh, and it's it's the it's the Game of Thrones with heroin. You know, it's it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing thing. And fewer breasts. <laughs> fewer breasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. Only mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this though, you, I think you you have a real solid j- dramatic capability. I know yeah. you're, you're a Godfather savant. Uh, you know right. why haven't you been? Uh, does that entice you at all? The idea of perhaps dramatic acting because I think you you possess that. Uh, I, I, I've done it before where people can ask me and stuff where they just say, you know, I uh, I know I know I know you can do this. Like a director will say, I know you can do this. Don't worry about it. this guy. Uh, cast me in a. a, a, a a movie called The Fourth Floor. Yeah. In like 1998. 
And I told my agent, uh, the guy had seen me on Man TV, and he said, no, I, I know Artie can do this. It was playing the, the murderer in this movie, and opposite Juliette Lewis and uh, William Hurt. Right. And um, I, I said, listen, I, I can't go to the Yankee Padre World Series if I take this part. <laughs> <laughs> and it was being shot in Nova Scotia. Uh, I said, so I'm going to have like 30 grand on something I'm not watching on television. And uh, it's my team, so... Yeah. You're Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting if he didn't meet his wife. <laughs> I don't have to go see about a girl. That's the riff of the year, I think. I'm more like uh, yeah, good, Goodwill Forte. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I like, well, well, I, uh, goodwill so, Forte. Uh, so uh, so I, he agreed to let me do it. I, I agreed to do it. And, oh, you did do it. Uh, I did goodness. do it. It's called The Fourth Floor. And uh, the director was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it was. I, I did a good job, but um, it's so funny. Julia Lewis and me have uh, have scenes together the whole yeah. time, and um, I was used to acting with people like Norm McDonald, you know, comedians who were trying to act. And uh, in, the, in the first scene, I'm supposed to yell at her, and I yell, and she goes, and then I, I I thought I really scared her, so I went, whoa, whoa I'm sorry. And the director said, no, she's acting. <laughs> and uh, I genuinely thought, you know. But she was so sweet and got me through it. And I think I did all right, but I, I don't know. Uh, I would love to try that. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's something that... And, and it depends on the material. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, like, I don't think Marlon Brando would have been uh, any better than the guy who played the skipper in... in uh, <laughs> Alan Hale? <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just crappy material. Alan Hale in The Godfather. Yeah. Would have been that would have been bad. That's just, you know. <laughs> when you could call Luca Bracci little buddy, that's a... Uh, yeah. I, I remember I, I was talking to Norm McDonald, I was trying to get him to act in this thing, and that's always easy. And somebody said, uh, "Norm, you know what? We're not going to have you do it." He's like, "Oh, oh good, because you know I don't know how to act." <laughs> he goes, "You know how I act is I, uh, you know, I'll think of like a, a guy from a, a show, and I'll just do like a." Impression of him, you know, like like this. I was thinking about doing uh, Inspector Luger from Barney Miller. Wow. <laughs> it, it, I opened up for him doing stand-up once, and he would yell. They would yell out stuff from SNL. He go, "Do Burt Reynolds," and he would go, uh, "I need the mustache." Uh, I never saw a uh, comic just say no to something. Uh, he's a method actor. I will tell you what. When I when I do go see a comedy show, I can't stand it when people tell yell out bits. I, I don't understand that. Like if it's it's a fam if it's a famous famous enough bit, they'll get to it. Like yeah. if you go see Frank Caliendo, people just yell. Bush, dude. I'm like, he's going to do George Bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he has like, a set list. Yeah. A friend of mine went and saw James Taylor. His name is Brady Novak, very funny comedian. And he was watching, he was uh, housed. He was drunk and he kept yelling out, uh, Mexico! <laughs> Mexico! <laughs> the whole show. And finally, James Taylor stopped, held up the set list, and went, We're doing it for the second encore. <laughs> 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 very funny comedian, Brady Novak. That's his story. That is, that is <laughs> but I always think of that. You, you, yeah. you guys might have heard this tape because it was. Uh, I was on Mad TV the first two years, and Pat Oswalt was a writer there, and he had a tape. I don't know where he got this from, but he had a tape of Gore Vidal doing a lecture in the seventies, and he just like uh, made fun of all these people in a real pompous way. Right. So at the Albert Brooks was there. He's Albert Brooks 
is making this tape. And uh, it's like a bootleg Gore Vidal tape. And uh, <laughs> Gore Vidal, in a real like pompous way, at the end goes, is there anybody else you'd like me to skewer? <laughs> and Albert Brooks goes, Della Reese! Della Reese! That's a great Albert yeah, Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm involved! <laughs> By the way, if you're just jumping in, Judd Apatow, Pete Holmes, and Artie Lang are here, and uh, we're talking about crashing comedy and or crashing, and then the crashing comedy tour. How does this show run? Bill J, uh, uh, Big J Okerson is also. Oh, oh, oh is he really? Jason yeah. Big J great. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Best, best crowd guy. They're one of the best crowd guys he ever. Is. Yeah, absolutely. He's amazing. Big Jay's a good friend of the oh, show. Dude, yeah. He is so filthy, and and Kathy loves him. I love him. him. I love Jay. Yes. I love Big Jay. He's fearless. Oh, I, he's fearless. I, I would go on stage uh, at the cellar the last couple of years with me, David Tell, and Jeff Ross would go on stage, and we'd be on until like, till 4 o'clock in the morning, Yeah, and which is obnoxious. <laughs> and then uh, we're leaving, and I see Jay there, and I say, what are you, cleaning up? What are you doing? He goes, no, I'm next. <laughs> <laughs> He would immediately kill. You know, that's these are great comments. Well, yeah. Big, Big J figured prominently right into your. Uh, yeah, you're getting some some cred as you're starting. Sure. Yeah, he's in the show, and that's one of those yeah. things where when I got divorced in real life, Jay was one of those friends that swooped in and like showed me the ropes of the scene. He's a great that's guy. That's why I think they're a bunch of sweetie pies, and that's one of the things I like about the show. Sure, is you take a scumbag like Big J Okerson <laughs> and you show him feeding the needy. That's yeah. good. You go. Like you're like these are uh, these are good people. Like yeah. it tells a good sweet guy uh, he, he, really he really is I know that they're not traditional good sweet people but they, they're wait caring. a second I could have just fed, I could have just fed the needy I'd have to write you a check <laughs> well you actually did yeah. yeah of course Judd is a, uh, generously donated to the camp just find yeah. me and, I can get out of it I can get out of it. I was in Philly one year they're doing a benefit and the, the, the restaurateur Robert Irvine yes yeah, yeah. he's there and we get a little competition to give money so i give 10 grand just to be a hole <laughs> and uh and then like every year they email me like you're gonna give it again this year I'm like i guess i have to and every year now this year you guys didn't even call and i'm like talking to my accountant i'm like i think i gotta send the money anyway. <laughs> i think it looks weird to suddenly bail on philadelphia's needy oh that's so great <laughs> no, it was wonderful i have to ask uh, Judd, I know uh, Gary Shandling meant uh, the world yes. to you, and you're working on a documentary uh, about I him? I am. I'm, I'm doing a documentary uh, that's going to be on HBO sometime. And He was a, a singular talent. He's is, is just an amazing guy, you know. Oh, my God. He's just the funniest. And, you know, after he passed away, we had to go through all of his notebooks. He just has tons of journals and diaries and just books of jokes. Really? Just thousands of jokes that he wrote. So many that he didn't even try. What was the environment like on, on the, the Larry Sanders show? Because he had a whole bunch of, I mean, there's, it's, uh, you know, a sort of a creme de la creme in the making of, yeah. of super talents. Uh, what, what was that experience like? Well, it was very intense because it, it was the thing he cared about more than anything in the world. And so it was hard to write there because he was better than everyone there. Uh. So it's, you're always disappointing him. <laughs> you know, it's like trying to paint with Picasso. And he's just like, that's not that good. <laughs> like, I know, but you're Picasso. I'm just trying to make a living here. <laughs> I put another block here. <laughs> uh, I wanna, well, I, Gary Shandling had longevity in the business. And I want to talk about longevity because um, you're a huge music fan as well. Yes. And so you take a band and you're wearing a pearl jam shirt or a comedian who in the beginning they're talking about something that's real and true to them you know like a u2 where the struggle is real and then 
you become successful and you become rich and you're, you you kind of lose your audience because you're like, there is no struggle. You're rich. What are you talking about? Right. And, and you kind of touch on a little bit with uh, funny people. Yeah. Um, it's Adam Sandler's character. Sure. Uh, you know, like, all right, how can I make this relate to the audience? And, and you know, can you explain? Well, it's uh, it's it's difficult, you know, because I live in a community where the hedges are like 25 feet high <laughs> yeah, right? and no one's met their neighbor. And then I, I, you know, I'm trying to write and I'll go, I'll just take a walk. And I walk down the street and I'll only see housekeepers walking rich people's dogs. Yeah, yeah. And then I go home and I'm like, God, what should I write my next movie about? I mean, yeah. if something happens like a housekeeper and they're like walking a rich guy's dog. And, and then I realize my career is over. That, that it was fun and now it's over. I'll say this though, uh, and I, I think this is Forty has entered that pantheon of of uh, just watch it anytime it's it's on. Oh, it, it resonates so much. We we quote it all the time. Oh my god! There's just such a perfect mixture. <laughs> I of... like your medium soft one. <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend says oh. that to me all the time. <laughs> mine, mine is uh, I think there's something in my butt. Yeah. To... <laughs> uh, god did that ring There'll be times I'll be sitting on the toilet playing a game on my iPad and go, I'm, I'm Paul Rudd for Christ's sake. Oh, can yeah. I tell you the worst version of that is my wife's always like, you got to get off Twitter. You got to you got to stop. <laughs> Fighting with all the trolls, <laughs> people are going to attack us. Right. She's, uh, she's very concerned about you know like a, someone on Twitter coming to the house. Alone, yeah. And, uh, and so I'm always like, I'm trying, I'm trying, but you know, it's very hard not to. And so the other day, I you know we were watching a movie, so we're using the phone and we use that like that thing where you like hit the button on the iPhone so it plays on your TV. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. You know, but then it just Airplane. shows everything that's on your phone on your TV. <laughs> so then I go downstairs. Oh. And I'm like, you know, went to get something, but instead I take like 15 minutes. I'm scrolling and fighting with people on Twitter and Instagramming and checking comments. And then I go upstairs and she's like, what have you been doing? <laughs> and she's been watching it on the TV screen. Thank God I wasn't like watching pornos. Or it would have come on the TV screen. That's hilarious. You, know that- you forget you're, you're, you're broadcasting over the Apple TV. Well, yeah. that happened to me and uh, somebody blocked me from Facebook and uh, that person was at my house and people were sending me screenshots of like what she puts on Facebook <laughs> and it, it popped up my text conversation with the girl sending me screenshots and I was like oh 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 no oh no <laughs> quickly turn I just quick turn the TV off that's great this is why she blocked you you are not a trustworthy person <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to put up healthy boundaries and you're like I'm gonna have people take screen grabs of this totally <laughs> why does she post thing that you need to know that badly oh, I'm very we, interested we'll have in an all fair conversation about that you had a, a talk show with Conan O'Brien how did you. Don't bring up my past. It was, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. And in fact, during one of these segments, you actually go to pitch a show to one Mr. Judd yes. Apatow. And I, I, I was completely joking. I love talking about the talk show. In fact, we talked about the talk show. Yeah, right? I went out for the junket for it. And uh, I, I always uh, rank it as my favorite experience at, at one of these junkets because of you. You could not have been a nicer guy. Yeah. You were, you were, no, seriously. <laughs> you, were, you were fun and funny and engaging. And you hung out with everybody who was there. And it's a bunch of radio nerds. And, and you're just a, a sweet person. Did so you feel? Did you that. feel you had to say that to return the compliment of you look like Mike Perbiglia? <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Once you get that, you got to pay back. <laughs> but Steve's right. It was a good show. Yeah. Yes. No, I loved it. And it's very weird. It's one of the ways I knew Judd. I had, Judd had done my podcast. 
And then uh, Judd did a sketch graciously, graciously on our show. It's very funny. And in the sketch, Judd started to riff. Yes. We had this idea that I was like, oh, I'll pitch him bad movies. It's yeah. probably a sketch you've done other times with yes. other people. I was like, oh, that's a fine idea. <laughs> so Judd gets bored and he starts riffing, right. as we do on Crashing and, and a lot of his movies, I understand. And uh, he starts going, no, what's, what's, really, what's your real idea? What yeah. do you really want to do? Right. And I was like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I got married young. I grew up religious, and then my wife left me. And then I had to like figure out my life in my. I went through my twenties <laughs> and my thirties. Sure, yeah. I was in the deep end of comedy, and he goes, "That's that's too sad." <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's too depressing. Nobody wants to watch that. That's yeah. depressing. <laughs> uh, but then all these, you know, maybe six months later, the show is canceled. I came up with the th- the idea for the show. I was kind of like, what what is the story I'd really like to tell? That would be funny, but true and heartfelt as well. And I was like, that's a jet idea. Flew out to the set of Trainwreck, pitched it to him in the morning. He did not go, isn't this what you pitched me in that sketch? <laughs> Get out of here! Yeah. Uh, and then we just I just started writing things for him. For that's him great. Doing. Yeah. Well, how long the episode's going to run? Uh, where there's eight episodes... Uh, and we're going to be on after girls. Mm-hmm. It's the, the last season hour. of girls. Girls wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then in March, uh, Love comes back to Netflix. Uh, great show. Your daughter's great in that, by the way. Yeah, she's funny as a uh, a spoiled child star. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? She, it, like towards the end, when she came around, and, and uh, I don't want to ruin anything, yeah. but you know, basically, you know, save the tutor, whatever. I was like, okay. Yeah, your um, your thoughts on her change a lot at that point. Yeah, she's really funny. The second season, we did something where her character, who's a young actress, gets a job in an action movie where she plays the president's <laughs> daughter who's been kidnapped. Okay. Uh, I guess she's playing Tiffany Trump. <laughs> That's the new detail, I guess. Um, and we, so, as a joke, and just for my own amusement, we like hired the stunt coordinator from the Born Identity and had my daughter like fight terrorists. Learn those moves. Uh, yeah, and we oh, shot it like it was an expensive action movie. So there's an episode. It opens up with this incredible action sequence. Are you afraid of your daughter? <laughs> yeah, she's hit me a few times. Like the guy taught her like how you like really like shock someone by like smacking them in the chest right. and it throws them and then you punch them in the face and, and she'll do it to me. Jesus, are you? She already did like mental gymnastics. I love you have a bit about the Instagram and try to get her off that. She's oh yes, yes. my daughter's fourteen you. and she's on Instagram and always fighting with her to take down photos because every once in a while she'll put up a photo that's like shows like skin or something. I'm like, you got to take that down. And she's like, it's a bathing suit. <laughs> Just a bathing suit. Oh. People see me on the beach in a bathing suit. They can see it on Instagram. <laughs> You're slut shaming me. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's a tough conversation. These are my I'm not ashamed of my body. Well, like you're 14. She's like, what's gonna happen? <laughs> the people see it. What's gonna happen? That's a freaky thing. I, it's not having kids. It's, 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 it's. I guess it's something you got to worry about. You know. Yeah. But we always, we on the show, we have the thing like. There'll be a, a starlet or an, you know, yeah. a, an actress on the Disney Channel or whatever, and, and we go, all right, let's do the math here. What are we dealing with? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Because it's it's just ridiculous. Like that Ariel Winter from Modern Family is like, what the hell's going on there? You have to teach them to be ashamed of their bodies. <laughs> uh, Look at you. you have to. I think it's just a natural thing for people to yeah. be ashamed That's of their bodies. That's what I could teach. <laughs> <laughs> I was, lit- I was just looking at a picture of myself from eighth grade, 
And I thought I was fat in eighth grade, and then I look at the picture. I'm like, God, I wish I, wish I, I looked like I that. I wish I was that fat. I really. It's your so, goal weight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish it was, have you ever heard the term? Uh, I wish I was as fat. I wish I was as fat as a as I was when I first thought I was fat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think I'm body shaming you. You just do it to yourself. My beta anyway. fat. Yeah. <laughs> so the prequel to my fat now. That is fantastic. Well, Michelle Crashing is going to premiere on uh, HBO. That's not sold out. There's That's still not. tickets available. Yes. <laughs> honestly, very excited couch. about this show. I, honestly, it, it's, uh, it, it yeah. speaks to us. We're huge fans of stand-up in general and of all of your work. Huge, huge fans of all of you. So Thank you. Uh, this is going to yeah, be something that's... to... Uh, We're yeah, super special. excited about it. I, re- I really hope people like it. It's great to be promoting something you're proud of. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the greatest gig I've ever had. Excellent. Yeah. Well, good luck to you guys and, and enjoy the evening in Philadelphia. So Judd Apatow, Pete Holmes, Artie Lang, thank yeah. you guys. Crashing. I love it. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a second. Stay with us. Like the Preston and Steve Show podcast? Check out MMR's other audio on demand at WMMR.com or on the MMR mobile app. Back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Final. How wild is this? A Canadian husband and wife in their 60s died while having sex in a Mexican hotel hot tub just two days before they were due to watch their daughter get married. I saw this. At a resort. This This is is crazy. Really wild. Charles McKenzie, who is 67 years old, died after suffering a heart attack in the tub at the luxury Playcar Palace Hotel in Playa del Carmen while his wife, Dorothy, drowned Underneath him oh. in the hot tub. <laughs> Mrs. McKenzie, who is described as being slender, was apparently squashed by her dying husband's body, resulting in her death from asphyxi- asphyxiation by submersion. How big was he? Um, You know what? I don't know exactly so how much he weighed, Steve. They were, they were getting it on. He uh-huh. had a heart attack. She slid under him and, and kept so, her underwater. I guess his dead weight... Got on time, oh, and, and who knows how they were positioned? She might like her knees might have been bent a certain way. She couldn't get any leverage and could not get her head up out of the water. Oh, they should have used a snorkel. Uh, the pair's bodies were reportedly discovered by their 35 year old daughter. Oh, no. in the morning, they are believed to have died either in the early hours of the morning or late the night before, and there were no signs of forced entry or disorder in the room when it was investigated by police. That's insane. However, if you're going to go out. Well, she, well, at least so for, him. for her. Yeah, for him yeah. it was good. For her, there could yeah. have been some bargaining issues. Although it was initially feared that the couple may have been uh, killed due to an electrical fault, an autopsy later showed that Mr. McKenzie died from a heart attack and Mrs. McKenzie uh, was found to have drowned. And here they are. They're in their 60s, having the time of their life at their daughter. They're getting it on. Banging in a, away. In a, in a resort hot tub at their daughter's about to be nuptials. And then boom. Making wow. white caps in the hot tub. I'm saying, man. Wow, that's crazy. Dude. Uh, let's see here. A Pennsylvania woman was arrested for two different drunk driving crashes in the same day. Police say Michelle Leonard of Somerset crashed her car, was arrested, charged with drunk driving, and then released. According to police, Leonard then left the station and offered a stranger $3 for a ride back to her crashed car, which she got into and began driving. <laughs> Leonard reportedly once again lost control of the car and sideswiped a parked car and then then crashed into a garage. Uh, You know, she probably shouldn't have been driving. 
Uh, she was then arrested a second time. Two crashes. And I've heard of people getting arrested for DUI a couple of times in one day, but two crashes in one day is pretty bad. A man who spent $718,000 going to two New York City psychics has come forward to tell his story. Oh, uh, Nial Rice, uh, and he's an idiot because okay. he fell for this. <laughs> ne- uh, listen to this. Nial Rice said that the psychics lured him by promising to help him with his problems and to help him reincarnate an ex-girlfriend who had recently passed away. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. The, I didn't know they could do that. At the psychic shop on Delancey Street, Rice said he dropped thousands as well as a $40,000 ring from Tiffany's when the psychic named Brandy asked him. An interview Rice did with the New York Times read she asked for $2,500 that day, and he withdrew it from nearby Chase Bank. She said that he would have his money back soon. Then when Rice's ex-girlfriend, Michelle, died from a drug overdose, one of the psychics who swindled him, Priscilla Kelly Delmaro, who was going by the name Christina at the time, denied it. The article also stated Mr. Rice said that he had just paid Christina $90,000 that she said was needed to build a bridge of gold in another dimension to trick an evil spirit that was haunting Michelle. Are you effing stupid? (laughs) He called her and told her Michelle was dead. Christina said, don't believe it. If you believe it, it's true. Oh, no. The district attorney's office had suggested that Del Morrow could plead guilty in exchange for one year in prison. So... He's um, not going to get the money back. No, and you're an idiot. They spent it on that bridge. I know, right? Yeah. And you can't go back on that. No. Any dumb people. (laughs) A South Carolina man was severely beaten. Okay, I bring this up because the mugshot... Is priceless. Is absolutely priceless on this guy. And you're going to have to search it or Nick, see if you can post this story online. But a South Carolina man was severely beaten after allegedly sexually assaulting his nephew's girlfriend. See if you can find the photo. I want Kathy to see this. William L. Matson was charged with first-degree criminal sexual conduct after the attack. The victim's boyfriend said he found Matson assaulting his girlfriend after dropping her off at his father's house, oh my God. where Matson also lives. Look at this guy. Oh, I saw that. It looks like zombie makeup. It yeah. does, yeah. You know? I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <You're> right? <laughs> okay. I choked on my own spit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> You got to see, I mean, Preston's right. It looks like uh, Walking Dead. Yeah. Investigators say officers found uh, Matson severely beaten when they were called to the home, but have not identified who hit him. Police say the person was, quote, acting in defense for the victim. Oh, I'm glad he got his ass kicked. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then we have time for one more story, and then we will wrap it up. You hear about this every now and then. Uh, budget in Midway employees, it's a hotel, were convinced to break out the windows after receiving a prank call. Yeah. Uh, the county fire protection district was called to budget in for a fire alarm and possible explosion. Employees had told firefighters that someone called and told them there was a gas leak, and the caller instructed employees to break the inn's windows. This has happened before. Many times. Many times, and they do it. Now, I guess you hear that. You know, you're you're fearing for the safety of the people in the hotel. Yeah. So you you succumb to it, but don't you even verify it? Call someone else. Is this really happening? Firefighters investigated and said there was no gas leak, fire, or any injuries. The sergeant <laughs> said uh, employees broke out ground floor windows, and the sheriff's department is now investigating the incident and has no suspects at this point. So, in fact, there was a uh, a whole bunch of those that had happened. I think it was two or three years ago. There yeah. were like three of them in a row. Yeah. 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 yeah, and they managed to scam people left and right. All right, and there you go. 
Uh, that is what I have in the bizarre file. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks proudly supports the American Cancer Society Bikeathon. Hey, it's Marcus. Cancer won't stop and neither will we. Join myself and Team WMMR on Sunday, August 9th for the 48th annual ACS Bikeathon. This year we're going virtual. The pedal power to finish the ride against cancer may look different, but the mission remains the same. Each Team WMMR rider gets a free team t-shirt, registration and complete details at WMMR. And check out our custom Team WMMR apparel providers, Volet and Go Cycling. Team WMMR and the ACS Bikeathon, virtually unstoppable. The ACS Bikeathon, another way 93.3 WMMR is putting Philly first. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR with Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. Brought to you by your local Dietz and Watson Real Philly Delis. They are open for takeout. Taste four generations of family recipes made with love and show your support for local business. RealPhillyDeli.com, Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. What's happening, Steve? Well, Jessica Chastain married multimillionaire Gianluca Passi de Prepasulu in an Italian wedding on Saturday. Prepasulu tribute to his new wife in Italian saying, quote, Barzini Clemenza Tatia Tessio Corleone Mo Green. Oh, my God. Amber Rose is uh, starting the Amber Rose Challenge, encouraging her fans to fight slut-shaming by copying a full frontal photo she recently posted. Rose says, think of the Amber Rose Challenge as the Ice Bucket Challenge, but with the yeast infection. And finally, an online tabloid claiming that a depressed Angelina Jolie adopted more kids in the wake of her divorce from Brad Pitt. In fact, the actress has adopted so many children over the years that she accidentally readopted kids she already has. (laughs) (laughs) And that's your Hollywood trash. Hey, so uh, there was an article that uh, Steve had sent over to me a little while back about uh, fathers and the advice that they've given their daughters uh, on relationships. When I saw this article, I thought, well, this is going to be you in a few years. Some At some point, yeah. yeah. And I have not even begun to remotely think about anything like this. Well, I know uh, that... Kids, and you too! Yeah, kids start, quote-unquote, dating Yeah, around 5th and 6th grade. Yeah, yeah, that... I, do you remember? Did, yeah. did you? Yeah. I, I had a girlfriend in... I had a wife. Did you yeah. really? It was the thing. It ended up in the papers. I was in fourth grade when I had my first quote unquote girlfriend, Debbie Seymour. Debbie yeah. Seymour. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, so by we never did anything other than at all what? other than you're my girlfriend. Okay. You know, and no nope. any kissing? No. Okay. No, not at, not in fourth grade. Okay. No. That was a bit too young. But but we were we would talk on the phone oh. a lot. <laughs> Did you do my homework? And that would be that was some that, of that would just be sitting there. That was dating. Yeah. Then talking yes. on the phone. That was you were dating. Did yeah. you get any phone offer? Oh yeah. I got lots of phone. Lots offer. of phone. <laughs> no, but I uh we may have gone to the skating rink together, you know, Those or something. The, or it's adorable. Yeah. yeah. It's before it becomes disgusting and sticky. Yeah. I had um crushes from kindergarten through fourth grade. Uh I mean, a kind of a girlfriend for a couple of weeks in fifth grade, but it was, then... It was a boy? No, it was oh, a girl. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're kind, kind of, a of a girlfriend. You're a guy. <laughs> John, you're going to be kind of my girlfriend. <laughs> no, it's funny. I, I actually, I just was thinking of this memory yesterday. Uh, my family and a whole bunch of families went up to some lake. I don't even know where it was in uh-huh. Pennsylvania. And we were there for a long weekend. And I spent the entire weekend with this girl 
who I went to school with, and we had never really hung out, and I was, fell in love with her. Was there a four? Because I remember those kind of relationships just kind of happened. Like I, I don't ever remember a lot of times there ever being a formal declaration of boyfriend girlfriend status. Yeah, well, I had. I, I remember when we came back from that little um, weekend, I had asked my mom and dad if they could take drive us so we could go out on a date. Aww. And I wanted to, there was the, the McDade Fair right in front of the McDade Mall, and I wanted them to take, and they said no. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to do that. So the, the term that was used when I was that age was going steady. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And so, and in fact, we didn't even use the word steady. It was, we're going. We're going. You know, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> do you want to go with me? It would be, do you want to go steady with me? Come basically. go with me. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, Debbie and I were going for a little while. How long? Uh, I did a few months. Yeah, for a little while, a good portion of that year, and then it just fizzled out the way those things do. <laughs> they're so, they're so wonderful and formative, but you know, you um, there's an innocence to them that is uh, that is great. You know, at a certain point, you know, that's uh, it's going to become the real deal. Yeah, and I, that's where a father, I think, wants to jump off the roof. Steve, I eventually lost her to another kid with bigger fingers. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> the old chick, yeah, sausage fingers, Malloy. <laughs> Um, I, but you know what? I had a straight up, a girlfriend. The in, guy used to tie her as a bowling ball. <laughs> I had a girlfriend, uh, in eighth grade that, you know, me as a father, like she was my girlfriend, Carolyn. Yeah. She listens to the show now. She lives in Indiana and, uh, she listens to the show every single day, but like when she's in therapy, uh, no, she's not in therapy. <laughs> she should be, but she's not. Um, after she got done with me, but like, um, she also, she broke up with me to go out with my buddy, Jeff. Bigger fingers. Bigger fingers. Yeah, bigger oh my fingers. God, Jeff yeah. stole your girlfriend? Not only that, Car- uh, uh, Kathy. I'm, Karen. I'm Karen. No, I, was, I, I changed I was, my name. I was going to call yeah. you Carolyn. <laughs> Shut up. Fine. But Jeff, Carolyn, joining us this morning, Carolyn. <laughs> Kathy's on vacation. It's <laughs> like the news. I'm talking about Carolyn. Oh, okay. That's why I said Carolyn. Uh, Jeff called me to break up with me for Carolyn. So that he could go out with her. Uh, well, Why is he still your friend? Because uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. Well, it sounds he's like it. He's a great guy. <laughs> or I've been plotting his death since <laughs> yeah. 1990. Yeah. I never forgot about Caroline. <laughs> so this uh, this article has some, some women who have uh, basically talked about advice their dad gave them when it came to dating. And it's not quite... What you would think is some of these uh, these little tidbits of information from Dad, these little tips. They're quirky. Yeah, yeah, they are kind of quirky. They're so, not like, obviously, don't get in the car with a guy who has a bottle of formaldehyde or, you know, or, yeah. or anything like that or, or puts a rag over your mouth. It's, it's stuff that's more subtle. So this, uh, this was, here, the, don't marry anyone who can't fix you a decent Bloody Mary. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's another one. If he can't drive, he's not worth knowing. Well... Now there's that might be a a, a deal breaker, you know, mm-hmm. a guy who who can't drive, who it doesn't lacks that level of independence or ability. I'll tell you, when I was a senior in high school, I used to drive my friend John and Andrea around. I was like their friggin' chauffeur, and it didn't dawn on me till like years later. I was like, what the. <laughs> Neither of like, and Andrea was a year older than us. Like she didn't have a license. And isn't, and, that, yeah. isn't that part of the deal when you when you at least it used to be mm-hmm. you would get your license so you could go out on dates so you could. You know, you yeah. pick the girl up, and I don't know what the the protocol is now. If that's not that's frowned upon, but I mean, it's right. Is the guy want to get the yeah. license to drive to go pick up the girl? Mm-hmm. Here's a couple more tidbits. Uh, one says, "Don't date anyone who wears white socks." <laughs> what? You agree with that, Kathy? Well, Preston used to wear white socks, and then he changed. I wear nothing but black socks now. <laughs> 
Well, you know, because you're Angela Perfetto. Angela told me that. Yeah. 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 She she hates White Sox. And I'm like, okay. She's a hot girl. She knows what she's talking about. It's probably a fashion thing. Well, so white, socks never wear with, white socks with like a... Like dark shoes. A, a sh- yeah, shoe other than yeah. your running sneakers. Yeah, right? exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What about flip-flops? Uh, Wait, that might be, it might be, no, it might be no, no, a rule. No. Just flip-flops in general. Just there might be a dad who says, don't date a guy who wears flip-flops. There's a girl rule. Or a lot of There are a lot of girls that don't like uh, flip-flops on guys. Okay. Really? Yeah. Or sandals? What about sandals? What, what do you think the message indicates that, what is, what is relayed by that? A guy who's always in sandals or flip-flops. You know what? I'm not, I'm not sure. Sack. I, I think, I guess if they're just like a, almost like, I guess if it's like a dated look, I'm yeah. not sure. It never bothered me, but I mean, I have a group of friends, we're, we're on a group text, and if they're out and they see a group of guys wearing flip-flops or sandals, I mean, we, I've gotten pictures of just all of these guys' feet, and, and they're like, okay, they're out. Maybe wow. like they they don't take life seriously, or uh, I think it's just the, I think it's just a fashion okay. no no for that pa, a fox paw. Mm-hmm. Right, it's so, like the white socks. Yeah. What about a pair of sandals with a nicely pedicured foot, <laughs> like yours? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. Never trust a man who has a first name for a surname. Okay. Yeah. So if your last name is Larry, right. I don't know, whatever, or wait, wait, Billy wait. Bob. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, Billy Bob. But your last name, your actual last name. Right. Oh, okay. You know, Robert. I got it. I don't know. Um, here's one that says, never trust a man called Tim. <laughs> Just <laughs> never trust anyone named uh-huh. Tim. Yep. I'll tell you what, it's kind of a rule that used to be, I, I forget where I heard it from, but at a certain point, um, a Timmy should become Tim, Johnny should become John. There's a certain, you know, when you get it to a certain age or mature a little bit, you should not be the... Billy, you know, I don't know. I know some people don't uh, bristle at that. I, you know, I, I on some level, yeah, maybe I can see it. I um, well, does that <laughs> does the ghost go the same for girls? And should a girl be named Billy or Timmy? No, like does a does a, a, a Christy have to become a Chris? I don't think a... so. I think it's much more relaxed for women. Um. Yeah, I don't know. My, one of my best friends' name is Billy. I still call him Billy. Yeah. So I, I have a know. Becky friend who became Rebecca Casey. She did, she couldn't. Um. She she thought it was not professional to go around as Becky. So she essentially told everybody to start calling her Rebecca. I wonder if it's that oh, Billy. I wonder if it's that name because I know two Beckys that uh sort of transitioned and switched over to Rebecca as they got older. Yeah, Becky just sounds girly. Hey, or Becky. Young. Bex. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Uh, let me go to a couple of calls here. Two one five two six three WMMR. Uh, I'm going to go to. Let me see here. I'm going to go to Joe. Hey Joe. Good morning. Hey Gadzooks. Gadzooks, buddy. What's up? So my daughter is 11 years old, and I recently just started having talks with her about stuff. But I mean, the usual stuff like don't trust a guy who treats his mother like crap. Yeah, that's but good advice. Yeah. This one's for Casey because I told her not to date a guy who gets his nails done <laughs> because he'll probably end up leaving her for a man anyway. Well, you never know. It could happen. Look at all he's put up with. His best friend, Harry Long. Uh, yeah, and I mean, uh, if no. you can't change a tire, he's not worth it either. What? What is that now? Can't change a tire. If you, yeah, if you can't change a tire, he's not worth dating. I think uh, those are interesting, but I, I could kind of see that. You need a guy who's a... Who, has a couple of the guy skills. Oh if yeah, if that yeah. still matters. That was yeah. it. Like for my dad would say, they'd have they have to be somewhat of a handyman to be able to 
do something yeah. if you need it done. You so, and I would never be a couple. <laughs> By the way, you Rick, can change a tire. I, I have to. I've got to share this story with you. So uh, real right. quick, just because he said uh, guys would get their nails done. So uh, I'm, I'm showing. We were in California, and I'm showing some Daily Rush videos to uh, my wife's cousin Roberto, who's a chef, really great guy, and he's watching the video. And sees Casey's nails, and uh, at some point, you know, he's talking. I was talking about you, Casey, and he goes, he goes, yeah. He goes, is he a bear? And I go, no, he's a really nice guy. And he started cracking up, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, no, he's married. He's got three kids. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> is he a bear? He a bear? That's hilarious. I don't know. Would I be a bear if I were? You are. You'd be. Yeah. You'd be. Yeah. Snuggles. Yeah. Because I think bear, yeah. bears are traditionally bigger. Yeah. I mean, not that you're small, but I'm saying you're more, no twink. You're right. No twink. Yeah, you're not yeah. a twink. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> no. I got to get my nails done. It's been a little while since I got into manicure. Yeah. I, you know what? I just said to uh, my friend Elisa Casey that I thought you were over the nail polish phase because she asked me. She goes, Casey's still painting his nails. And I said, I think he might be over the phase. He hasn't gotten them done in a very long time. I got my nails done on Friday. My wow. toes done. Colored? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you're not wearing you're not wearing your flip flops, so I didn't see them. Yeah. So, but it's sandal season, so I got to get. When's the, the anal bleaching? Yeah. Well, so you're no. not over the face. Then. Let me go back yeah. to the uh, topic at hand here. I'm going to go to Riggs. Hey, Riggs, how you doing? How's it going? Good. What's no, up, buddy? How's Murtaugh? Get on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, bud. What'd you want to share with us? No, I encountered uh, my 13 year old daughter with her boyfriend in the driveway when I came home from work, and they were both terrified that i came home because they weren't expecting me they weren't nothing was going on yeah but you know i had to put the fear of god in his eyes and just politely told him you know you need to respect my daughter yeah you need to act like i am right behind you okay you know and that's that's why i tell him that's why i tell my girls i have another 10 year old daughter that has been dating or seeing the same kid for almost two years wow and you know she's in fifth grade yeah and I'll, all I can tell them is, you know, whoever that you're with needs to respect you. you that's, can't that's great go, advice. Go with anybody who forces you or wants you to act a certain way around their friends or around her friends. Well, a quick, qu- a quick question. Uh, what? Because yeah. I know a lot of parents have an age at which they will not let their kids date, or like a, their their daughters or. Because fifth it's, grade it's, seems it's tough. Yeah, the dating dating nowadays is sitting together at lunch. Okay, it's sitting together on the bus. It's you know hanging out with each other at recess. <laughs> you know something like that. All right. You know actually physically being picked up and leaving the house. I mean, I I, I wouldn't know. I mean. I'd have to put a tracker on them and follow them myself. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you have you have to trust them, but, you know, to the point, you, you can't trust anybody. Yeah. Not nowadays. No, you know what, listen, and your daughters are going to do what they're going to do, and I think the best thing you can do as, as a father is uh, treat their mother with respect and then treat them, mm-hmm. you know, show them what love is really like. Yes. Not, and mm-hmm. don't get smart. No, um, no, like, you're but, right. Like, you know, yeah. so, so you lead by example. So they have an idea in their mind of what a, um, how a man is supposed to treat a woman. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's a plus. But you always, I mean, you, you still got to put the fear of God in them. Yeah, I mean, do it respect. You don't want to do something that's going to get you get you arrested. But yeah. right. you got to, you know, you you have to let them know you're coming from a point of authority. Oh, I'm, you're the I'm alpha not saying male. That the the example is the only thing to do, yeah. but I think that's the best thing you can do. Mm. All right, thanks, yep. Riggs. Appreciate I, it. I'm wondering if that works, though. If you know, if that would deter a kid from dating a girl because they're afraid of their father, would it have worked with you? At that age, around I, uh, fifth, sixth grade. I don't know. Well, at that age, I mean, that's a little yeah. on the young side. I was thinking more like, you know, 15, 14, 15, okay. 16, somewhere in that range. If the dad, you know, gave you this what if it was Dee Dee? stare down in the speech, Didi. Didi, who you, you, you <laughs> lusted after but would not have you because you were going. No, no, no. We were we were dated. We we were together. What what ended it? Um, Wasn't it pressure from the parents? Nah, she wasn't giving it up. <laughs> There you go. Oh, so you ended it. Uh, yeah, it kind of fizzled out. Okay. Yeah, we tried. You know, I tried. I gave yeah. the old college try. Did you convert? But her, her mom and dad didn't care for Shalom. me. Shalom. Because I was not Jewish. And yeah, yeah. So, yes. So it just kind of fizzled out. I forgot when, at one point she told me that. But, yeah. I think, um, so I, I have uh, two of my fraternity brothers married sisters, and I was at one of the weddings. And so... There's three sisters, and they are all gorgeous, right? But they have a father who was super strict, and it worked for them. Yeah. And so they all dated respectable, respectful men, you know? And I feel like, you know, when you're as strict as as their father was, and I think he would even use that whole, you're coming over to date my daughter, I'm going to clean my gun, guns as you walk in. Clean door. my gums. Gums. Take care of your teeth. <laughs> That's good advice. Yes. Shotgun, <laughs> Billy Bob. <laughs> um, and that worked for them. I'm going to so get my gum cleaning kit. Other people, uh, maybe it, it will drive them away. Yeah. I, you, know, I could never do that. Have you gone through a practice script in your mind about what you're going to say no no not at all yeah yeah i would i would put it off until she was married yeah she's still too little girl yeah I, i'm not i'm not ready to even start thinking about that no you're i'm not, not in yet. denial but, no. I'm, but yeah. I'm just like she's no i'm little. just enjoying what i have right now my brother's daughter my niece is uh she's gonna be turning 17 in a week and so but you know he jokingly says to her you're not allowed to date until you're 30 <laughs> You know, All right, yeah. and, I, and I think it's that's fun. a good buffer. Yeah, I think a solid advice I've heard before is uh, trying to find out about the person that you're you're with, and if you're just in the dating, uh, the beginning, if if you go out to eat, see how they treat uh, the serving staff. It's excellent advice, and and if mm. you see them acting rude or okay. with with somebody who's a, a server, then you know more than likely not a good person. Yeah, yeah. that's what I I kind of believe that. Uh, let me go to. Do, 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 do. Let me go to Dave. Hi, Dave. Good morning. Hey, good morning, gang. Hey, what's up, buddy? When I was in ninth grade, junior high school, I had a girl who was a friend, not a girlfriend, but just a friend. Uh-huh. And she was trying to help me hook up with another girl who I really wanted to go out with. And after a while, I realized it wasn't going to happen. So I went to this girl. Her name was Amy, this girl, this friend of mine. And I said to her, oh, well. So much for that. I guess it's not going to happen. And Amy turns to me and says, okay, then I'll be your girlfriend. And I'm like, wait, what? And then what happened? You beat I her with the, the rock. I several months trying to get out. <laughs> you hurt <laughs> my brain. <laughs> you beat her with the rock. chased you away. <laughs> and devil tells me to kill you. 
<laughs> no, I, I, yeah. It, it's not going to be a John oh. Hughes movie, but so, it's uh, yeah, the, the thing. But Dave, what's what's your point here? So, so she she, she said, "I'll be your girlfriend," and you didn't care for that. You you did not want. I to... didn't want it at all. Yeah. Oh, okay. But oh my God, she just was relentless. So let me ask you this: Did your did your friendship end because of that? Then completely. Yeah, ah, sucks. See, she took a chance, man. And ugly. She was ugly. Oh, that's really Well, at no, least no, you no, broke no. it to her. You were incredibly oh, ugly. Yeah. I'm sure you understand. He said it got yeah. ugly. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. oh, it got yeah, ugly. There okay. are things on the beach that have dried up that look better than you. You look like some an ass that's been dropped from a high rise. You understand. You understand. Right? I think, can we still be friends, though? Besties. Yeah, yeah. Dave, thanks for the call. Yeah. Like yeah. Rock. yeah, no, I don't think so, Elephant Woman. <laughs> yeah, uh, let me go. Well, I'll come visit you at the sideshow. Let me go over to uh, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Good morning. Hi, Preston. How are you? Great. What's happening? Um, well, my I have a 19 year old. Should be 20 in October. Mm-hmm. And my husband, when when they're in the car together, like we'll be driving somewhere, he will tell her, "This is what guys are." or after you for they're just looking to get in your pants and she's like not she hasn't dated at all you know i think i don't know and i i can't i can't speak to it because i i have no kids but i think there's probably a happy medium where yeah. where you say that that is a potential always and but they're made genuinely you know there's there's not to say that there's you know you don't want her to be so suspect of everyone yeah. that it ends up caving in on her no you yeah. definitely well, have I to mean, have a bs meter and like okay what's what you know what's what's this the guy motive here this guy literally has his pants off mm-hmm. i know i'm going to well, pay- yeah i mean she she has friends who are guys right she just is in college she's focused on that she's not looking to you know make any like lifelong partner type decisions at this point but is it is it wiser advice for 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 her to date her friend's fathers? No, no, my husband would kill. That <laughs> I'm just kidding. She took your question seriously. Knives at home. Why don't you date my knives? Date Debbie's dad. <laughs> yeah, no, I that's understand. not happening. No, I hear you. You want someone but, who's a little uh, more. My husband's like, we were both in the navy, and he goes. This is what the Navy guys are into, and so I'm I'm a guy, and I'm letting you know that's what the boys are into. That's yeah, yeah some listen. Some girls are into it as well. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. Yeah. The, the girls, there are girls that want to have sex as well. Listen, yes, heading off to college, there are some warnings that definitely sure. need to be given, and part of that is a, a huge part would be obviously if you're going to have sex, it's got to be safe sex because that's where you can really have some serious problems. Have it on top of a safe. Yeah, on yep. top of yeah. a safe, safe sex. Safe Make sex. sure that you do it's that. It's the best. No, no I, I know what you're saying. You're, you're exactly right. I think that you don't want to put the you want to put. Caution, not, not abject not terror. Fear, yeah. yeah. I mean, because you're just gonna. <laughs> you, do you want them going through life scared? Like, yeah. no, no. You want them to find a mate to, to spend the rest of their lives with. You're right. Know? Find yeah. the right person. By the way, I think this conversation is going to continue. Casey's showing me texts that we're getting from the guys at Delco proper that are on their way right now, <laughs> wishing they could be on for this portion. Oh, really? Of the uh, yeah. Of the What's their advice? Uh, uh, he says about fingers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so Tommy said the dude just called in and put the fear of God in them. He said his daughter's one hundred percent getting. Yeah, uh, sure. Wait, you never know. Yeah, it's possible. Finger blasted. <laughs> yeah. Used to call her ball for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me go to, hang on, Josh wants to comment. Hey, Josh, how you doing, man? Hey, Gedzooks, guys. Gedzooks, buddy, what's up? So, uh, 
growing up, I mean, I'm only 25. I'm not old yet. But uh, back just back in high school, I uh, wasn't a serial dater, but for some reason, I always used to get those strict Italian dads. Okay. And the one thing that always softened them up, I mean, they're the guys that look you dead in the eye. I mean, the one was the oldest of six kids. And uh, looks me dead in the eye and goes, you know, you're dating my oldest daughter, and all you have to do is look them back square in the eye and don't back down. And they soften up right away. So it's a, it's a test almost. I want you to know you're dating my oldest daughter. And I want you to know it's all finger stuff right now. I respect that. You have finally have the balls to tell me what I always know is happening. <laughs> they appreciate the honesty, right? In fact, I call her the bowling ball. <laughs> Dear God. No, that's uh, you are a man's man <laughs> who can admit to that. I want, uh, if you can, to tell me the various things you achieve along the way. Yeah. You know, like a video game. Yeah. Dear God. It's got to be the, the most difficult thing for a dad. One of the most difficult to know yeah. because yeah. the one problem is dads were the... Well, the kid, with a 14, 15-year-old, 16-year-old boy. Are right. you kidding me? The same so, deal. Listen, my my uh, one of my best friends, his son, who is 16, uh, he just he recently went and bought him some condoms. Yeah. And the reason is because he got, he found him and his girlfriend together, in a, not naked or anything like that, but they were alone in a room for a while. He knew it was going on. He talked to him. And he's like, look. And he, he was telling me this, and he's like, man, I don't know if I should have done this or not. He's like, should I buy you some condoms? And he's like, yeah. So he well, look, you and me at that age, tell me we weren't trying to get laid, okay? <laughs> yeah. we better were, than be- We were trying really hard. We weren't succeeding, <laughs> but we were trying really, really hard. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, you know what I mean? I think you did the right thing. A yeah. grandfather at uh, this exactly. time. Exactly. See, because it, exactly. it, it cannot work out sometimes, uh, or it might not work out. I was in CBS and I was buying kids' condoms. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, get out of here. But why couldn't his son. I'm like, it's going to happen. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. Um, why couldn't they buy them? You don't have to be 18 or anything like that to buy condoms, right? Yeah, but you, as a kid, but going you don't. Home, you, you know, know somebody's going to see it you. Totally. That's part of it. Yeah. That's Absolutely. Do they still have those condom sales at school? Um, oh, that's cake sales. That's yeah, cake, cake sales. sales. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah. I was just thinking in college, you would just go to the infirmary and they, they had a basket of condoms right out front. Did that's they? right. Yeah. You used to take the whole basket. Yeah. In hopes. I used to get all my... Water balloons. When, <laughs> I, when I was in the height of it, I'd be getting it from the mobile station because mm-hmm. yeah. they had bareback. Well, <laughs> you could also just go to a trashy There was a lasso on the box. <laughs> What's that? If you go to a trashy bar in the area, you just go into the bathroom. There's usually a 50-cent condom machine in the bathroom. Yeah. I, <laughs> sweetie. Still? Yeah. These, well, you know this what? This day I, and age, I haven't seen one of those in ages. I should uh, go to, because when I was a kid, I might have been like 10 or 11 years oh, old, yeah. and I went to the bar across the street from our swim club. Get you a French tickler. Had no idea what I was buying. Yeah. Bought it, filled it with water. Filled the other one up with air and walked around the swim club with these things. And one of the managers was like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Had little frilly things at the end of it. Yeah, that's yeah. a French tickler, yeah. man. Oh, my God. <laughs> I swear to God. Oh, that's hilarious. Delightful children's toys you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me go to Colin. Hey, Colin, good morning. Hey, good morning, good morning. It is this morning, good morning. Yes, it is. Good morning. <laughs> What's up, man? Hey, uh, so I'm the oldest brother. I have a younger brother and then a younger sister who's in college. So she got asked to go to this party one time by this guy. So she texted both of us asking, hey, you know, what's 
you know, can I go to this party, whatever. So we're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then this guy asks her if she's going to be drinking. She says no. He ends up texting back saying, oh, never mind. You don't have to come to this party. So she tells us this. We were livid. We knew exactly what this guy was going to do because me and my brother are both Marines. We know how guys are. Mm -hmm. So we kind of gave her the rundown of, you know, stay away from these types of guys. All right. So do you you think the advice was taken? I mean, did you you come down like Thor's hammer or did you try to take a more... Uh, Diplomatic approach. She hasn't, she hasn't brought any guys over, so yeah. All right. She kind of she kind of got the gist of what it, you're saying, and she kind of started focusing more on uh, school than anything else. All right, I got you. Hey, by the way, I think that the older brother can be more of a deterrent. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Than the dad thing. Yeah, especially if they're like a couple of grades older and they're big. And because they they see you every day, or they might see you at school every day, and they can you know, they can kick your ass and not have to worry about going to jail. And if they have paint a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Oh, you better not do anything to her. I don't know. I agree with uh, Carmen on the line that mothers are worse than fathers. Let me go over to Carmen here real quick. Hi, Carmen. Good morning, Gadzooks. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good, buddy. What's up? Listen, I just want to tell you real quick. I just had a uh, little girl, and I am getting so nauseous listening to you guys right now. <laughs> the future. Sorry yeah. about that. But uh, real quick, yeah, quick story. Um, so I go to uh, – I meet this girl at a carnival. Uh, give her my number. Uh, she calls me. I go to pick her up at her house. I'm in high school. I'm 18 years old. Uh, she was she was uh, mixed skin, okay? So she was mixed. So she was very, very light skin. So I didn't think anything of it. I opened the door. Mixican? And this, <laughs> mixed this real... skin. Oh, I, thought oh, said, so I thought you said Mexican so as well. No. <laughs> Mexican-American is a Mexican. Mexican. Yeah. I like she that. Was, she was mixed. Uh, so um, I, opened, I opened the door and this gigantic black lady opens the door. And I thought I was at the wrong house. Uh-huh. Um, so then the girl's name Stephanie. She says, oh, no, that's Carmen. Come on in. So this lady just uh, gives me, like, the dead eye. She's staring me down. I come inside. She goes out to my truck, takes down my license plate number, <laughs> comes inside, gives, uh, makes me get out my license, makes a copy of it, no. sits me down, asks me. I'm, I'm 18 years old in high school, yeah. asks me my five-year plan, what my intentions are with, with the daughter, what my purpose in life is, what my college goals wow. are. Oh, my God. Wow. Listen, I'm telling you, after that, I just, I completely lost all interest in the girl. Not that I was so afraid, because I was of the mom, but I was more so like, wow, this is the future. Uh, I'm out. So I call my buddies up. We go to Fuddruckers. I text them. I said, you guys got to meet me here, because this is just too awkward and weird. (laughs) Meet you at the Ruckers. All right, go ahead. So so then they meet me at Fuddruckers, and it just, I just ruined the date. I mean, it was awful. It was so terrible. I brought her back. I was apologizing at the end of the night just because I acted like an idiot, and I was awkward and just embarrassed. You apologized to her? Because like, cause I invited my friends, and I was just so weirded out by her oh. mom that it, it made me look like an idiot. Yeah. And it wasn't me. You should. Like, oh, I don't know. It was just. It was awful. You should have told the mother you were taking her to Fuddruckers. <laughs> yeah. Then she would have known. Yeah. You were a class act. Yeah. I said something else.
Hey, uh, <laughs> Carmen, do you live near Lancaster? Because I'm wondering where there's a Fuddruckers around here. I love Fuddruckers. No, actually, I live in Audubon, New Jersey, but there was a Fuddruckers for a minute in Washington Township. But It's, it's been replaced now. by a Pud Punchers. <laughs> yep, yep, that's exactly <laughs> All right, Carmen, thanks, man. All right, I guys. appreciate it. Wow. Right, we'll see you later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, I remember having that one deal where I went to pick up a girl for a first date, and there was the extended family right up to Grandma. Mm-hmm. And I got the... You know, you got the once uh, I got over the full introduction of the yeah. conversation, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one of my friends did this, but they went to pick up a girl on a date, honked the horn. They pulled out front and then and the dad came out That's and said, no, no. don't you yep. ever yeah. honk for my daughter. You come in and you you uh, you knock Ooh. at the door and you escort her to yeah. the car. Yeah. And then no at question. the end of the evening, you pay me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the pimp. That's not how we do things here. Or else I'm going to send milk over to punch you in the face. All right. Well, anyhow, there's all kinds of advice that dads have out there for their daughters. And some definitely play the the blocker, the intimidation game and that whole thing. And it's just uh, it's another world when you're starting to uh, get into that dating world. So, you know, Casey and I will both be there at some point with uh, our daughters. (sighs) I know. know. (laughs) Let's see how that goes. All right. We need to take a break. Stay with us. Preston and Steve on 93.3 WMMR.